With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Why can't I hear? Because hmm. I'm on mute. <laughs> yeah, that I would be a problem. Hi <laughs> there, Reverend Kelly. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Bye bye. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, we have a new classmate, huh? Yeah, but she ends up she can't start till next week. Oh, okay. But um, I think she's adorable. I think she's going to fit in so well with our group. Yay! Um, really interesting gal. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot where she, she, she moved. Like, she, oh, she's in Canada. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me, she's like, she's always been a city girl. And then she ended up moving, like, literally, like, they don't even have postal service. Like, she has to go pick up her mail at General Delivery. Wow. So, um, but her and her male friend, she says she's never been properly trained. Mm -hmm. um, but she basically, she says, everybody basically says, yeah, I do shamanic work. She goes, I've never been trained. I didn't know that's what it's called. But, like, her and her male friend do, like, land healing and soul healing with people. And, yeah, she basically does shamanic work. Wow. Totally interesting. Total sweetheart. Super excited because she's out in the middle of nowhere. So super <laughs> excited. She studied with um, Pathways of Light. Mm -hmm. Studied with, um, I think it was Lisa Natoli or Regina Don Akers. I forgot which mm -hmm. one. Um, so, you know, flew it in the course. You know, mm -hmm. relatively flew it in the course. Um, but really wanted to, like Pathways of Light, I, Pathways of Light is largely a study of someone else's interpretation of a course. You're not dealing yeah. with the course directly. Yeah, you're dealing with... No, you know what? That's what I... I remember I told you that I was involved with it and I couldn't, I, I couldn't actually make it work for me. Um, so, I, I, so I ended up, you know, just being really disappointing and just like... <laughs> yeah. So she's done it, but she's like, I really want to stay the course directly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I loved her. She's totally sweet. Um already realized she needed the original edition, so had ordered it from somebody before we even talked. Yay! Um, yeah, really, really, really excited to have her join us. So oh, um, this is going to be excellent. Yeah, and I'm sorry because it's interesting because most of the course groups I've been have been more male oriented. She says actually mm -hmm. most of her groups have been more female oriented. Um, but when she adds, we'll have four women, four men. <gasps> oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Oh, yes. It'll, it will be awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm super, super excited to have her join us. But, yeah, she said they came up and she couldn't make it today. Um, Susan can't make it today. She said, please send prayer. She is sicker than sick. Um, oh, no. Yeah. She's like, it could be worse, I suppose. But she's like, I have no voice. She's been, like, curled up in bed for a couple of days now. Oh, no. Um, oh, yeah. She is not. She messaged me yesterday, and she was like, I'm really sick. And then she just messaged me today, and she's like, I have no voice. I'm coughing. I feel horrible. She's like, it could be worse. <laughs> I was like, well, I suppose it could be. But, um yeah, she's she's having a rough time. Curious, can you hear the copier running a lot, or yeah. is it just okay? Good. No, actually, you're the only one hearing it. I I can't oh, hear anything, any extraneous noise on your end. <laughs> okay, good. We're, we've got we're we're putting out miracles monthly today, so oh. I'm trying to print like 140 copies real quickly. Oh my god, you you know what? You're so valuable to. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're so valuable to them. I'm surprised they didn't find a way to put you up at, I mean, <laughs> put you up somewhere and just like. 
<laughs> and keep you there, like yeah. right, right on the spot. <laughs> well, and it's it's not just the housing. I mean, they've they've said like you know maybe we could. I'm like it's not just the housing. It's like I don't like the city. You know what? It is I not for everybody. San it's Francisco for, is a is a certain type of place. It is. It's a certain type of place, and that's interesting because I was talking to my therapist this week, mm -hmm. um, or actually end of last week, mm -hmm. and he's you know he's been here for ten years, working in the Bay Area for ten years, and he says when I started here, he goes, you know, I had clients, but nobody said I don't like living here, and he says more and more, he says he's getting more and more clients who are like I hate the city, he goes yeah. there's something about the energy's changed, um, the homeless problem is a lot worse, it's oh. just become. It's like, like my street was nice when I, when I moved in, but then they were doing some road construction and it seems like since they did the road construction, it's just dirty. There's trash everywhere. everywhere. And it's like, I would say at least once a week, I have to like, I don't have to, but I do because it makes me nervous. I like time going to my, the door of my building according to like where I think the crazy person is going to be. You know, like, do I rush so I can get there before they're to my door or do I wait for them to pass? Like, that's like once a week that I'm going, I don't feel safe in my own neighborhood and it's dirty and it's just, mm -hmm. I don't like it. You know what? I, I really understand what you're, I mean, I, I grew up seeing um, parts of Detroit get worse and worse and worse. And yeah. like where I grew up first, it was like, a nice little community and then it was a little bad and then um prostitutes started disappearing and i mean it, it was just like <laughs> oh my god you no know, it, it became really bad and then i mean now no one on earth wants to move there I yeah mean, so nobody lives in detroit yeah no no seriously um the the people who are li living there are only there because they have to be. They have to. I mean, yeah, really, no one likes. Yeah, to there. and that's what we've got. A lot of high tech people. It's the younger pe people are living here, but mm -hmm. those of us who are like forty and over, no. like if if we just move in here, we're a lot of us are moving out. We're like, it's not. No, it's the be. energy. What happened yeah. to Brian? Brian. <laughs> Brian. Brian. Brian turned his camera off for a minute. Brian is at the airport, and there's some story oh. behind it, but he's at the airport. <laughs> is he? I'm back. He I'm back. Okay. Hello. You're lo you're looking very like Australian with the hat today. I think I look like a sexy pilgrim. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That works. Well, we know, you're, we know you're always sexy. I wasn't sure about the pilgrim. So. <laughs> I got it. No, they won't let me. I'm here early, and so they won't let me go through baggage claim because baggage claim. too early. And so I'm, I wanted to get past security, but we're just going to be out here in the lobby where it's freezing cold in Miami oh. until oh. it starts. Yeah. Okay, fine. Brian, what's freezing cold? I mean, well, I mean, you're going to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably like... 72. It was 13 degrees when I woke up this morning. <laughs> I am sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Unless you like cold, which maybe you do. <laughs> I like looking at the, I like looking at the snow, but I don't like driving in it. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna find. I have to. I have to get the book online because I don't have the book with me. So hang on one second. Wow. Okay, here we go. Right here. Good. 
Hi, Jack. Good morning, Lydia. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, doing wonderful. Cold. <laughs> it's almost 72 here. Oh, hey, people I'm are just still kidding. That <laughs> tease Brian here. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I heard you. I heard you. I mean, I can't. I was at the pool yesterday. I cannot be mad. I cannot be mad. <laughs> yeah. I will say, at one point, I was considering Chicago. And there was about, no. you know, and, you know, and then it, it was the job I was, it was a weird, it was like, it wasn't a job offer, but it was like, we want to have you, but yeah, it was a weird loosey-goosey thing. Uh -huh. um, and then I was really upset when it fell through, partially because I just felt like the guy wasn't honest with me. Mm -hmm. But um, about two days later, I was like, oh, thank God I didn't go to Chicago. <laughs> I oh, would have froze. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I went to school in Chicago. It was tough. We had a couple days where they, no school today because it's too cold. I was like, okay. <laughs> that never happened in Ohio. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, but for me, I think Chicago's too cold like three months of the year or so. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, when it's not really cold, the wind will make you think it's cold. I mean, <laughs> this is really windy over there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I already checked with Lydia. Can anybody else hear the copier behind me or is everybody not hear anything? I don't hear, I don't hear anything. Perfect. Okay. We're printing Miracles Monthly today and assembling it and mailing it. Yay. Yay. And then we're doing it again in two weeks and we're doing it three weeks after that because we're trying to get ahead before the conference. So we won't send them out early, but we're trying to produce them early. The next one is my article. I'm trying to remember what I wrote. Oh, I wrote, yeah, the February, for those of you who get Miracles Monthly. Mm -hmm. um, the February article, it's actually a little over a year old but it's my article and it's, I did it the week after the Orlando Pulse shootings. Wow. So it was actually, it was on Father's Day and I was like, I would love to talk about Father's Day, but my community is almost all LGBT. And I was like, I really feel like I need to address this. So it's, even though it's geared towards that, it talks mm -hmm. about um, looking at circumstances through a loving perspective. So I said, even though even though it's a year old, I think it's a real. I think I thought it was a good article. So that's it going is, out. It's a love great it. article. Um, I would love yeah. to read that because I came along after, you know, after you had already, um, yeah, published that. So, yeah, I no, it's, it's being published this. Year. It's being published this February. Oh, great! Yeah, great. so yeah. there'll be the next article. Um, and it was interesting because I'm reading it. And I'm like, I actually I quote Byron Katie, and I do oh. um Colin Tipping who does the Radical Forgiveness book mm -hmm. and then I actually and I rem it was weird because I didn't remember it until I typed it out I actually the very last thing I do is a prayer from the seven sacred flames book that I use in my meditation mm -hmm. and I remember it's interesting because every time we finish a talk we put like yeah like if people laugh we put laugh if people applaud we put applaud <laughs> and I remember I finished that talk and it was just dead silence. There was nothing. Like everybody was like, they, we were doing this prayer and I was just like, God bless. And it was just, it's, I think it's really good talk. So I'm, I'm excited. It'll be coming out probably the first week of February. So cool. Yay. Cool. Yay. Mm -hmm. I say, actually, I say everybody's here is either a member or gets the miracles monthly through their other class. Mm -hmm. so I, I said the, um, the Texans, <laughs> I send, um, we send a bunch of the Miracles Monthly to the class instructor down in Texas, who we yeah. ordained. So, 
They'll get it through her. Okay, well, we are on page one. Susan is not making it today. She is very, very sick. Um, she is having the appearance of not talking, coughing, sneezing, and being miserable from what she has communicated so far. Yeah. Um, the medical the, term is sick as a dog. Sick as a dog. <laughs> yeah. Curie, Curie takes a little offense to that, but. <laughs> um, she's, still out, she's still out in California? Huh? She's still out in California? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here through March. No, I'm talking about oh, his Susan. Susan. Oh, Susan. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I think she might be, but she's really sick. Wherever she is, she's sick. Sick, mm. sick, sick. <laughs> so um, she won't be here. And then the other gal, I was telling Lydia, she actually, she can't start till next week. Mm -hmm. um, but I think she's going to fit in great. She, really nice personality, really um, has, like say with Pathways of Light, but really wants to look at the course directly. Mm -hmm. um, instead of Pathways of Light kind of as somebody else's interpretation of the course. Um, interesting, she says she's never been formally trained, but she does shamanic work. Yahoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, interesting lady, but I think she's fabulous. I think we're really good. I think she's going to be a great addition to the class. So, um, she'll be here next week. Susan... Hopefully you'll be here next week. Yeah, I'm going I'm going to send a text to Susan. Poor Susan. Okay. Um, yeah. I gotta go get my book because I'm Oh I'm yeah, go get your book. Prepared a hair. <laughs> yeah, here's Susan's words. I've been really sick this past week, sicker than I've been in years and years. I'm most miserable in the morning. Blah 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 blah. And she says some other stuff. Um and then this morning she said she can't stop coughing. She'd be a disaster on Zoom, and she has no voice. Um. So she's having a rough day or two. But we're starting on the intro today. Woo and all the, all the Miracles principles. So when we get to the Miracles principles, I'll explain how we're going to read them, because literally we have two sections today. We have the introduction to the book, mm -hmm. and we have, and actually we don't even have two sections. We have like one and two-thirds of a section. Because the Miracles Principles just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. Do we start with the forward? We're going to skip the forward. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Because the forward, yeah, the forward is not actually from Helen. It's through the um, printer. Yeah. So, so like the FIP would have a different forward than we have actually. So we have to oh. read it ourselves, huh? Wow. If you want to read the foreword from Sims, then yes, you read it yourself. That would be from Regia Joy and Tom Whitmore. Mm -hmm. So, who are both going to be at the conference, for those of you at the conference. Regia's actually a presenter. Um, Tom Whitmore, I think, will just be there, but he's not a presenter. So, there you have it. Okay, intro. Um, Benjamin, why don't you just read the whole intro? If I could hear you, Benjamin, it would be great. Are you on mute? <laughs> Something is happening where he can hear us, but we can't hear him. I cannot hear Benjamin. Speak, Benjamin. He's chewing, too, so I'm not sure. Yeah, nothing's <laughs> happening. Turn We're, not the volume up. We're not hearing you, Ben. No sound. No sound on Benjamin. Uh -huh. Okay, Brian, you're up. 
<laughs> okay, keep working out, Benjamin. Brian, can you read the intro sure. for us? Yep. It's like mm -hmm. three, actually it's five paragraphs technically, sure. but. Ready, here we go. Okay. This is a course in miracles. It is a required course. Only the time you take, it is voluntary. Only the time you take, it is voluntary. Free will does not mean that you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you may elect what you want to take at a given time. The course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. This course can therefore be summed up very simply in this way. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. There you go. <laughs> done. We're done. We're done. Any comments on the intro? And then I have a bunch of comments on the intro, but I'll let you comment on the intro first. It always kills me when it says it is a required course. Okay. Okay, girl, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um. I just I like that because it feels like you can learn the con you might learn the content here you might learn it somewhere else but this required you will learn it is kind of what that makes me think you can learn it this way or you can learn it through having a very unhappy life or something uh huh yeah well I think that's exactly what he's saying mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah can you hear me now yeah yay uh, I I figured out okay. I was like, I was wondering, I was like, why are you guys being such a jerks? I was like trying to say good morning the whole time and nobody was answering me. I was why? like, I'm on that judgment train real quick. <laughs> That's funny. I was like saying hi to everybody, but nobody said anything. <laughs> but now I understand it was all, it was all, it was all my mistake. Uh, it was real. We were just doing it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay well he, here here's my thing first of all circle of atonement has the same intro okay including that whole nothing real can be threatened nothing really unreal exists mm -hmm. this is not the intro to the book nobody knows where this came from it just showed up in, a, in an edition later on like i i don't know if it's the urtex or the hewland casey but this is not in the notes this is not the original Urtex. I don't even think it's in the original Urtex. It just shows up. Who wrote this? It's from Helen. The, uh, the official FIP response is that Jesus came back and said, let's change the intro. Um, Helen was like, I'm not really happy with the intro. Um, and Jesus gave her this intro instead. But it, there's no notes on it. There's no history of it. It just shows up. Which is a really odd thing because Circle of Atonement is like, I took it from the notes, I crossed it with the urtext. Supposedly, that's where that came from. So we asked, we actually asked Robert Perry, we said, why the heck is nothing unreal could be threatened, nothing unreal exists in the Circle of Atonement edition? Because it is not in the notes or the urtext. And he says, well, it is a universally beloved phrase, and so we kept it. There you have it. <laughs> Which kind of, I mean, I love the Circle of Atonement, but now it kind of has just put the whole Circle of Atonement a little in question, because it's like, it's not actually just going from the notes and doing the edits they said they were doing, mm -hmm. because now you have this intro that is not what is supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. It got added later. 
the this is a course or what is it the yeah this is a course of miracles doesn't show up until partway into chapter one like a few sentences into chapter one. Oh, that's not the first thing she said the first thing she got which Reverend Tony actually talked about this extensively at the last conference mm -hmm. you will see miracles through your hands through me you will see miracles through your hands through me that was the first line she got I love that <laughs> Now there's question, the FIP edition, which is, you know, the blue one. A lot of the doing and being in the world seems to have gotten edited out for whatever reason. So there is question as to why it was edited out. We don't know. You know, we, there's different explanations. But the first line that Helen got was, you will see miracles through your hands, through me. This was added. We don't know when. We don't want to know where. We don't know how. It just popped up in an edition. Mm. It makes sense, doesn't it? Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because think of that. You will see miracles through your hands, through me, versus nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. Which one is more attractive just on a reading level? I like Which... the other. It's sort of hands-on. I mean, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Here lies the piece of God. If, if two sentences that nobody hardly understands. <laughs> I mean, we, we, got, we, we got an idea of it, but, you know, how do you explain the unreal doesn't exist? It's like, well, you get it, but it seems real, and... Versus you, you will do miracles. It, it, it flows with the course. Oh. Yeah. It goes with the course somehow. But yeah, there's real questions as to why it's there and why the other got taken out and is not there. And well, it would it would make me question. Well, why do we even take notes? Why do we even try and put things down the way we understand it? You know? Yeah. It, if it flows, it makes sense, and, and it, it moves you in the direction that the Holy Spirit would, would have you move in, and you're yeah. sensitive to that, then let it flow. So there you have it. You have my little rant for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> so... Chapter one, intro to miracles, principle of miracles. Um, so we got to talk about this before we start this a little bit. You're going to see in your thing, initially they match. So you'll have like a little number one and you'll have a big number one. And then you have a little number two and a big number two. But if you turn over a couple of pages, like, I'm trying to think. Once you get to like 23, they stop matching. So, like, I've got a little 25 and a big 23. And then I've got a little 27 and a big 24. The little numbers are our paragraph numbers. Mm -hmm. The big numbers are your principal numbers. So, what we're going to do, because the reading, like, some of the, some of the paragraphs are really, really short, and then they get, some of the principles get really, really long. Um, each... 10 sections or so, depending on how it goes. I'm going to tell you, like, okay, 
when you read, read this many, you know, whatever. So like for the first section that we're going to read, we're going to read one through 20 principles. So these will all match. These will all be, the numbers will be matchy matchy, but you're going to read five at a time. So you'll like the first person will read one through five. The second person will read six through 10, 11 to 15, and then 16 to 20. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okie dokie. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go through 20 and Jack, you are starting on principal miracle and paragraph number one. Go. Cool. <laughs> Principles of miracles. There is no order of difficulty among miracles. One is not harder or bigger than another. They're, they are all the same. All expressions of love are maximal. Miracles as such do not matter. The only thing that matters in their source is their source, which is far beyond human evaluation. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything that comes from love is a miracle. All miracles mean life, and God is the giver of life. His voice will direct you very specifically. You will be told all you need to know. Miracles are habits and should be involuntary. They should not be under conscious control. Consciously selected miracles can be misguided. Miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something has gone wrong. Miracles are everyone's right, but purification is necessary first. Miracles are a form of healing. They supply a lack and they are performed by those who temporarily have more for those who temporarily have less. Miracles are a kind of exchange, like all expressions of love, which are always miraculous in the true sense. The exchange reverses the physical laws. They bring more love, both to the giver and the receiver. The use of miracles as spectacles to induce belief is wrong, or better, is a misunderstanding of their purpose. They are really used for and by believers. <clears throat> Prayer is the medium of miracles. Prayer is the natural communication of the created with the creator. Through prayer, love is received, and through miracles, love is expressed. Miracles are thoughts. Thoughts can represent lower order or higher order reality. This is the basic distinction between intellectualizing and thinking. One makes the physical, and the other creates the spiritual. And we believe in what we make or create. Miracles are both beginnings and endings. They thus alter the temporal order. They are always affirmations of rebirth, which seem to go back, but really go forward. They undo the past in the present and thus release the future. Miracles bear witness to truth. They are convincing because they arise from conviction. 
With that conviction, they deteriorate into magic, which is mindless and therefore destructive, or rather the uncreative use of mind. Uh, one more, huh? Yep. Each day should be devoted to miracles. The purpose of time is to enable man to learn to use it constructively. Time is thus a teaching device and a means to an end. It will cease when it is no longer useful in facilitating learning. Miracles are teaching devices for demonstrating that it is more blessed to give than to receive. They simultaneously increase the strength of the giver and supply strength to the receiver. Miracles are the transcendence of the body. They are sudden shifts into invisibility, away from a sense of lower order reality. That is why they heal. A miracle is a service it is the maximal service one individual can render another. It is a way of loving your neighbor as yourself. The doer recognizes his own and his neighbor's inestimable worth simultaneously. Miracles make minds one in God. They depend on cooperation because the sonship is the sum of all the souls God created. Miracles, therefore, rest on the laws of eternity, not of time. Miracles reawaken the awareness, the spirit, not the body, is the altar of truth. This is the recognition that leads to the healing power of the miracle. So we're going to pause there because there's really not sections today. Like we're reading all chapter one today. That's it. Mm -hmm. Section one. So we'll pause there for discussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I just want someone to use different words to help me understand number two. Anybody feel efficient, proficient? Oh, miracles do not matter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, I seem to relate this to um, one of the later ones that says... When you use to induce spectacles, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, say for instance, you forgive someone and you're rather overt about it, you know. And so this is to this is actually, um, I think, what the course is referring to. Forgiving someone doesn't. I mean, it does matter, but only if you forgive them on a soul level but the only thing that matters is what motivates you to forgive them not so that you can appear to be a good person or so that you can appear to be holier or somehow more godly but mm -hmm. so that you can actually connect with this person's mind and heal their mind and yours at the same time so so the miracle which is forgiveness does not matter in and of itself is what motivates you to do the miracle and the miracle should be natural it should be something you don't think about uh, something you don't ponder over um, it just should arise out of your love for this person and your recognition of the Christ in that person that makes sense I get it oh, thank you cool. thank you very helpful that's very helpful mm -hmm. thanks <laughs> This 
section I think I find challenging in some ways just because, well, one, it's just there's not flow. For me, it's like, you know, it's, it's I don't like a list of principles. That's a little harder for me to follow. But it just seems like there's parts of it that contradict. You know, if I was just reading this to start, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. But then, you know, like 16 seems to contradict later in the course when it says giving and receiving are one. Mm-hmm. But then 16 says miracles are teaching devices for demonstrating that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because even within this section, and it seems like at times it talks about transcending the body, like a miracle is a good thing, but then it talks about the display is a bad thing. And it just, it's like, I, this is a section I'm challenged with because it's like, I like each one individually. But I start getting into that, like, well, what if I compare it to other parts of the course? And why, why does this seem to contradict? And I'm sure, mm-hmm. I won't even say that. I was going to say, I'm sure somehow it all makes sense together. But no, I'm not always convinced of that either. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know. It's, it's like, I really like it. And it's interesting. But it, it definitely, it, it seems to, like, keep changing the use of how it's using the word miracle. Um where sometimes it seems to be more of a physical miracle than sometimes it's an expression of love and sometimes it's this or that. And it's, it's just an interesting section. Like I can't wrap my brain around it as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anybody else has that experience with this section, but it's. Well, I think it is, it is all those things. Uh, but, but the fact is, is that, that miracles <clears throat> truly are just, um, Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit's way of reminding us that that we are whole with oneness. It's it's the same thing as it's the same thing to me as um, the the ending will be at the beginning. <laughs> you know, we'll be back at the beginning because all the miracles that we what we call miracles or what we interpret as miracles are actually sharings of truth. Uh, from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's providing those to us so that we can uh, expand our understanding to the point that we do truly understand the lesson that is being presented. And when we do understand the lesson that's being presented, the Holy Spirit does this time and space thing where it it actually goes back, or not only in the present, but goes back to any other life experiences that we have and clears it all up. So time kind of collapses mm-hmm. because time and space collapse because we finally understood. And so when all things collapse, when all time and space collapses, we're back at the beginning. So all he's talking about in these miracles is the miracles are just sharing by the Holy Spirit to help us to awaken. Does that make sense? It's, it's a difficult thing to understand. but it, it makes sense for me, given the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I just start on page one and try to read through that, I totally would not get that from this section. That's where we are. That <laughs> 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 we're all trying to make sense of it. <laughs> and, you know, but uh, it's, it's finally Holy Spirit gets through to us on certain aspects of it, you know, as we progress. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the way I'm seeing it now. Yeah, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. 
Uh, Nathan, did you? What we, what we just read, it seems seems complicated, doesn't it? Each line is a different aspect of the same jewel, you know, a different facet. It seems complicated, and it really can't be because truth has to be simple. So what I'm missing then is the, the unifying thread here. And the unifying yeah. thread has to be like that holographic spiral staircase. You know, we're climbing up the stair. Each one of these things is a step. Mm-hmm. But it's the same, you know, fire pole that we're, we're, you know, climbing up. Which really is like what Jack was saying. It's just the right-mindedness. A miracle has to be simple. It just means you're in your right mind, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the right mind, um, which speaks to the fact that we're all out of our minds <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and it's going to give us 101 different definitions of it but it's the definition of the same has to be the same route mm-hmm. i mean the goal is to awaken to to the the fact that we are of the oneness yeah. and, and all we're doing is playing out in this arena where we don't see that clearly and the idea of holy spirit sharing with us is to awaken us little by little or gently as it says okay so that that we can you know, make our way back and let let these this nonsense go that we're separating. Yeah. So this might well, no. So this is kind of coming down to the the more human experience level. I'm just thinking too. You know, like I mean, this is right at the beginning when Helen was like, "What the heck is this voice inside my head?" Mm. <laughs> you know, I wonder if like had ha- ha- we tried to do one of these you know like extended paragraphs that goes on later in the course mm-hmm. if helen would have just been like i, I you know <laughs> checked out to start versus this almost feels almost more like a stream of consciousness like oh i have this thought oh i have this thought mm-hmm. and maybe it was just something that like on the human level she was able to process easier that's why it's a little weird who knows that was just a random thought in my head Ah. So, 21 to 30, we're going to do individual principles. So I realize like 21 is super, super short, but once we get further on, um, like I'm, yeah, like principle 25 is actually two paragraphs. So you're going to really want to watch that big number. Um, 26 is like three paragraphs. They start getting longer. 28 is like four paragraphs. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be doing one of the big number ones each reading. Mm -hmm. And it means whoever starts, it's going to be really, really short, but then you'll get to extend out longer as we go. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to do 21 through 30. So I'm going to mute everybody. And Benjamin, you're going to start with 21, which is one little paragraph and one little sentence, but it's there. Miracles are associated with fear. No, sorry. Miracles are natural expressions of total forgiveness. Through miracles, man accepts God's forgiveness by extending it to others. Miracles are associated with fear only because of the fallacious belief that darkness can hide. Man believes that what he cannot see does not exist and his physical eyes cannot see in the dark. 
This is a very primitive solution and has led to a denial of the spiritual eye. The escape from darkness involves two stages. A, the recognition that darkness cannot hide. This step usually entails fear. B, the recognition that there is nothing you want to hide, even if you could. This step brings escape from fear. Miracles rearrange perception and place the levels of perception in true perspective. This heals at all levels because sickness comes from confusing the levels. When you have become willing to hide nothing, you will not only be willing to enter into communion, but will also understand peace and joy. Your commitment is not yet total, and that is why you still have more to learn than to teach. When your equilibrium stabilizes, you will be able to teach as much as you learn, which will give you the proper balance. Meanwhile, remember that no effect is wasted, for unless you remember this, you cannot avail yourself of my efforts, which are limitless. Only eternity is real. Why not use the illusion of time constructively? Mm. I like that. Miracles enable man to heal the sick and raise the dead because he made sickness and death himself and can abolish both. You are a miracle, capable of creating in the likeness of your creator. Everything else is only your own nightmare and does not exist. Only the creations of light are real. Um. Miracles are part of an interlocking chain of forgiveness, which, when completed, is the atonement. This process works all the time and in all dimensions of time. I am in charge of the process of atonement, which I undertook to begin, which you offer. When you offer a miracle unto any of my brothers, you do it unto yourself and me. The reason you become, you come before me is that I do not need miracles for my own atonement, but I stand at the end in case you fail temporarily. The purpose of my part in the atonement is the canceling out of all lacks of love, which men could not otherwise correct. The word sin should be changed to lack of love, because sin is a man-made word with threat connotations, which he made up himself. No real threat is involved anywhere. Nothing is gained by frightening yourselves, and it is very destructive to do so. Miracles represent freedom from fear. Atoning really means undoing. The undoing of fear is an essential part of the atonement value of miracles. The purpose of the atonement is to restore everything to you, or rather to restore it to your awareness. You were giving given everything when you were created, just as everyone was. When you have been restored to the recognition of your original state, you naturally become part of the atonement yourself. As you share my inability, sorry, as you share my inability to tolerate lack of love in yourself and others, you must join the great crusade to correct it. The slogan for the crusade is listen, learn, and do. Listen to my voice, learn to undo error, and do something to correct it. The first two are not enough. The real members of my party are active workers. The power to work miracles belongs to you. 
I will provide the opportunities to do them, but you must be ready and willing since you are already able. Doing them will bring conviction in the ability since conviction really comes through accomplishment. The ability is the potential. The achievement is, is, it, is its expression. And the atonement is the purpose. All right. All right. Um, a miracle is a universal blessing from God through me to all my brothers. It is the privilege of the forgiven to forgive. How much should I read here? Uh, you read through 27, so you're going down to paragraph 35, which starts Miracle 28. So one more paragraph. Oh, I see. The disciples were specifically told to be physicians of the Lord and to heal others. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were also told to heal themselves and were promised that I would never leave them. <clears throat> or forsake them. Okay. Atonement is the natural profession of the children of God because they have professed me. Heaven and earth shall pass away simply means that they will not continue to exist as separate states. My word, which is the resurrection and the light, shall not pass away because light is eternal. You are the work of God, and his work is holy, lovable, and holy loving. This is how a man must think of himself in his heart, because this is what he is. Miracles are a means of organizing different levels of consciousness. Miracles come from the below or subconscious level. Revelations come from the above or superconscious level. The conscious level is in between and reacts to either sub or superconscious impulses in varying ratios. Consciousness is the level which engages in the world and is capable of responding to both. Having no impulses from itself and being primarily a mechanism for inducing response, it can be very wrong. Revelation induces complete but temporary suspension of doubt and fear. It represents the original form of communication between God and his souls, involving an extremely personal sense of closeness to creation, which man strives to find in physical relationships. Physical closeness cannot achieve this. The subconscious impulses properly induce miracles, which are genuinely interpersonal and result in real closeness to others. This can be misunderstood by a personally willful consciousness as impulses toward physical gratification. Revelation unites souls directly with God. Miracles unite minds directly with each other. Neither emanates from consciousness, but both are neither emanates from consciousness, but both are experienced there. This is essential since consciousness is the state which induces action, though it does not inspire it. Man is free to believe what he chooses, and what he does attests to what he believes. The deeper levels of the subconscious always contain the impulse to make miracles, but man is free to fill its more superficial levels, which are closer to consciousness with the impulses of this world and to identify himself with them. This results in denying himself access to the miracle level underneath. In his actions then, his relationships also become superficial, and miracle-inspired relating becomes impossible. Well, that's definitely worth reading two or three times. <laughs> oh. 
Miracles are a way of earning release from fear. Read that again. Miracles are a way of earning release from fear. Revelation induces a state in which fear has already been abolished. Miracles are thus a means, and revelation is an end. In this sense, they work together. Miracles do not depend on revelation. They induce it. Revelation is intensely personal and cannot actually be translated into conscious content at all. That is why any attempt to describe it in words is usual. Revelation induces only experience. Miracles, on the other hand, induce interpersonal action. Miracles are more useful now because of their impersonal nature. In this phase of learning, working miracles is more important because freedom from fear cannot be thrust upon you. Mm -hmm. And Lydia. Okay. Miracles praise God through men. They praise God by honoring his creations, affirming their perfection. They heal because they deny body identification and affirm soul identification. By perceiving the spirit, they adjust the levels and see them in proper alignment. This places the spirit at the center where souls can communicate directly. There is a lot in those 10 principles. Yeah. Um, Nathan and Benjamin, why don't you start us off? Rob? Go ahead, Ben. All right. Um. <clears throat> There's three, there, that section, there's three portions I highlighted that I like would like to comment on. I'll do the one that I most recently highlighted first. first. Uh, uh, Revelation. Revelation. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm wearing my eyes. I think that's me. Okay, Let me okay. first one. What happened? Oh. Oh, Callie's muted now. But I, you're okay. You're okay. I can't. Okay. okay. So, anyways, Revelation um, is intensely personal and cannot actually be translated into conscious content at all. That I just that really s sticks out to me, and I was just visualizing um, that, and I want to share my thoughts on it. Um, I'm thinking. Uh, there's a part in, in the well revelation it, it that that sounds like to me when you're in from previous paragraphs when you experience God directly um and miracles are the miracles lead to that but they're they're not a direct experience of God but God as a person it's like you're experienced directly in revelation and and, and I think it somewhere mentions that that's like kind of of like uh like a glimpse that you you get about what it's going to be like to be in heaven with God forever, or when you're when are when we overcome time and are in eternity. And um, there's a part in the course where it says our natural state of mind is pure abstraction, and it's like and 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 what is 
abstract, like an abstract idea is something that it's not, um, I think of it as like a gas or like a, a vapor. It's like can take any shape. It's not, it's not a shape like a square or a triangle. It's not like a word like baseball or a donut. It's something abstract that can be anything. Mm-hmm. And, and that helps me understand why revelation is not translated in conscious content because there's scientists that talk about the physics of perception and they say that when we perceive something, like if there's, when we see something, like we actually see these waves of frequency and then our eyes and ears and nose translate these waves into tangible things that our brain processes but our brain is actually constructing what we're perceiving. It's like translating it, but but all of that's really there are these frequencies that materializes like sound and and sensation and sight and everything, but our brain translates it. So then I'm thinking, okay, um, everything that we consciously experience, it has to be, it has to be acceptable or translatable for our conscious, but if God is something that is so eternal and vast that there's no symbols that can represent him, then we can't translate revelation into conscious content. And so that, I was just working through that in my mind. And, and then I was, and I was vi- visualizing being in that state of revelation. Well, how could I experience something without being conscious of what I'm experiencing? And, and I think what it would feel like is just, an experience like being hugged by somebody, but that it would be so intense that I, I wouldn't be able to think about it. It would just be like, like almost like being in a fire. Like I could feel the heat, but I couldn't really comprehend it. So that's, that was exciting to me. <laughs> I want to share that. Okay. Well, what, what you're talking about there, uh, on paragraph 26, I guess it is, to the, your original state. And what you're saying there, Benjamin, kind of reminds me, through, through Zen, the kind of koan, what is the original face? Or do you remember your original face before your parents were born? And and what and what we're talking about here really is we're looking, we're looking through this curtain of fear and distorting everything that we see. Mm-hmm. Now, the our original self is the one that's looking through this curtain that that is here and we have made, and it's we see through a glass darkly is basically what it is. So, uh, uh, yeah, our original state. Get back to who we who we are. <laughs> I'm curious about anyone's thoughts of paragraph not <clears throat> paragraph not principle thirty one. The use of the word crusade. Because <coughs> it's the first time I've heard that word here. And it's Helen, capital. Yeah. Helen hated it. Oh, okay. Good news. What word is that? What word is that again? Uh, the part on the great crusade. Paragraph 31. 31. The slogan for the crusade is listen, learn, and do. That was removed out of the FIP version. Mm. So we had a logo for the crusade, whatever you want to call that. Um, and it was removed. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. 
Yeah. So, um, I think if somebody isn't being really like higher level thinking, listen, learn, and do can sound super lame and worldly. So I'm wondering if it's like, in case there's, I don't want to be, this is non-judgmental, but any dumb people who aren't going to read the whole book, be careful of reading this slogan because it's not exactly what we mean here. But that's my first stab at what that means. But I, you were going to say something, Benjamin. I want to hear what you had to say. Um, uh, I'm t- my, my, my sections are a little different, it looks like, in, in the Kindle version. But I'm trying to, I, I really like that that message so i'm trying to refine it again yeah i say, I'll but say I, 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 don't, I i think i can just um re- talk about it uh just from memory um i i really did i ever did i ever so wait can you repeat your question Basically, what do we as a crew, as a tribe, as the six of us make of the word crusade? And what do we do? We want to come to a conscious, you know, singular vision of what that means. And to me, the last sentence says a lot of it. The real members of my parties are active workers. I mean, I think we all know that forgiveness is not let's just roll around in the hills and feel happy and everything is forgiven. No, we know that it is work and we think and we try to tone and we pray and all the things. And that, that's the part that I jive with. The crusade part of it feels a little bit like march around and hold the book and be a hard Krishna to me. So I wanted to hear what you guys were making of that. Or if it is just what I said in the first, you know, idea. Yeah. I'm just I go with your first version. Um, um, yeah, I'm just like, uh, sometimes in situations like this, I find it really helpful to look up a definite, like a, the word def, in the dictionary, because mm-hmm. sometimes the course uses words that are different than what, how I think of them. So I'm just looking up crusade right now. It's, uh, uh okay. So this is what, this is one definition of crusade is a remedial enterprise undertaken with zeal and enthusiasm from Marion Webster. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I, I uh, crusade to me, like to me, I, I kind of visualize in the context of this whole book and, and then putting crusade in the context with I visualize that Jesus is observing us and with us, but also observing us from a perspective of eternity. And he's just saying, like, he's just there with a feeling of, like, oh, my God. Like, I, um, like, almost like if if I was, like, sometimes I watch, I imagine if I have children or if I see somebody do something that's really hurtful to themselves. You could imagine if you have children watching them, if they're doing something that you know, uh, like say they're using uh, like a spoon to, they have to dig a hole and they're using a spoon and there's like a tractor right next to them they could be using and it like hurts me to watch that. I kind of imagine that like with Jesus looking at our life and thinking, Oh my God, you have so much power. You have so much authority. You have so much ability. And you're, you're just this one tiny step away from receiving everything that I got. And I want to give it to you so bad. It just makes my heart bleed to watch you live another day in suffering. So I think that as soon as he awoken in the way that he did, 
there was such like a strong, intense, like desire to share with people that it's just like a frantic urgency. And in the course, it says, uh, you know, this need for salvation is extremely urgent in his mind because I think it's because he's watching people suffering and he knows from his experience how much freedom and how much authority we have over all the expressions of poverty and sickness in this world. And he wants to give that to us. The crusade, I think, is a word to me. It means, like, let's, like, really... Um, shake ourselves up and get out of our routine and, and, and say, okay, there is something extraordinary that I have access to right now. And it is urgent that I activate it and share it with as many people as possible. Like, like, um, so that's how I relate to that because, because it's very, because without saying that, I think it's very easy to be complacent and just keep on living our careers, living our lifetimes, and living with a kind of a gradual, organic process of letting nature take its course. But what I think is very unique about Christianity and Jesus's message in the context of all, of all other salvation approaches like yoga and meditation, which I, which I practice and I love those too, is that Jesus has always been like the kingdom of heaven is at hand right now and you don't need to you don't need to change your diet you don't need to like do any yoga exercises you don't even need to meditate for a long time all you need to do is shift your perspective and you can do you can be there with me and so i think to him his way of approaching god and teaching the approach is like really accessible right now and there's a sense of urgency of like i don't want you to waste another day like it hurts for me to watch that and so that's how i remember kelly uh yeah i i'd like to see if you could address something before we move on is and it on this can, can, it's on this uh, section here okay yeah i was gonna say because yeah. I, I wanted to talk about this listen learn and do thing too with the crusade idea okay but i wanted to yeah, kind of brian what do you think about that yeah hold on benjamin I want to get a little better understanding of what, what, how you interpret like the subconscious and the unconscious and the conscious and the superconscious. Okay. Let me sub super un and conscious. Let me get to that second. Okay. Cause that's kind of a deviation from where I'm thinking. And then let me come back to that and I'll tell you where I'm at. Um, I want to reread re re that one section Brian's referencing, plus then a section out of dictionary.com and kind of combine them as to how I just came to understanding while we were discussing this. So thank you, Brian. Um, so it says, as you share my inability to tolerate lack of love in yourself and others, you must join the great crusade to correct it. So starting off with it's you know it's the the inability to tolerate lack of love is kind of like the impetus it's it's the starting point. It says the slogan for the crusade is listen learn and do. Listen to my voice, learn to undo error and do something to correct it. The first two are not enough. The real members of my party are active workers. And then crusade, it's the, la it's the last definition it's given on dictionary.com. It says, any vigorous, aggressive movement for the defense or advancement of an idea, 
cause, etc. So initially, I was thinking kind of like what you were, because the other definitions of crusade are very much like, you know, let's let's go conquer the world kind of mm-hmm. crusading. But then I thought, I was like, this is any vigorous, aggressive movement for the defense or advancement. I'm like, well, what are we advancing here? It's the, it's our listening. It's our undoing of error. And I would say that's within ourselves and doing something to correct the error within ourselves. So I do think this is talking about, you know, yes, it's, you know, the error is going to go out into the world, but I think the aggressiveness is not being lazy with our own thoughts, not being lazy with, our thoughts of hatred and anger and hurt. And we need to listen to Jesus, listen to guidance. We need to learn that stuff. Don't be like, okay, yeah, Jesus wants me to forgive. That's nice. And walk away. Actually learn it and then apply it into your life as you're guided. I think this could be, could have been less confusing if, if instead of saying the slogan for the crusade would have been the slogan for this crusade, because this is a crusade that is, you know, just another crusade. It's, it's not the crusade that we. Uh-huh. Yeah, it does sound. It sounds a little because it does sound a little like, yeah. not paying down Jehovah Witnesses, but it does sound a little bit go knock on people's doors to me. <laughs> and I think that's not exactly what it's trying to say. And I think that where Kelly and Benjamin meet is that sense of, there's like a I have a tool right now. I'm using the tool. I will demonstrate this tool where how I choose to bring this into the world. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm yep. sure that. At some point in your life, you've probably said to someone, we don't have to talk like that without judging them or saying you're bad for gossiping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's being part of the crusade, I would say. I so say that's how it most often demonstrates itself in my life is like, eh, I don't want to talk about that if I feel like someone's talking negatively about someone. So I feel like that crusade doesn't have to be flags and killing people who don't have white skin. <laughs> if that makes sense. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it does. It makes total sense. <laughs> okay. And then in response to Jack's question specifically to me, and then we'll take a break after that. Mm-hmm. Um, you said subconscious, unconscious, superconscious, and consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, I put unconscious and subconscious together, and I'll try to find there's a passage mm-hmm. somewhere, and I'll have to find it that talks about them. And this has always been my understanding, but it feels to me like, this one passage kind of validates it, so I'll have to look. Um, for me, consciousness is that the, the physical manifestation of our bodies and our brains in the world and the thoughts and the words that, like, you're hearing me talk right now would be on the conscious level. It's the experience on the human level. Mm-hmm. The subconscious slash unconscious, I think, is a little bit more of a gray area, so I'll come back to that. For me, super consciousness is that God level. It's the, it's the eternal God spirit that is, that is, that is everything, that is God, that is everything, that is, that is us, that is just, the, the, the big is, is your super conscious. The subconscious slash unconscious I see is kind of like the bridge between the two, that the conscious is able to affect that subconscious, but the subconscious is also in contact with the super consciousness, with God. So it's kind of like that area where it's almost like the spirit within us that's individualized would be almost that subconscious. It's really our true nature as an individual being, but at the same time, it's connecting into the spiritual level that the consciousness level doesn't connect. 
Let me see if I can find the passage while we're on break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that subconscious and unconscious level is, is the, the one that I'm having the most difficulty with. Yeah, there's a passage that I personally feel addresses it, and it's not really addressed by most course teachers. I happen to have latched onto it because I liked it because I felt like it matched what I thought already. Yeah. Because that's what we do. We find passages we like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let me find it. I've got it. I've got a blog on my website I had done, so it'll just take me a minute to find it. Yeah. Okay, 10 minute break. All right. There's a. I was trying to find on my bookshelf, there's a, there's a book by Robert Perry that actually has that all diagrammed out. Wow. It, uh, it's a, I think it's Return to the Heart of God, but I don't have it. No. Okay. No, I did a blog on this, so it's just a matter of me finding the blog. It was actually one of my favorite blogs. I've gone back to it several times because people ask about it. I'm glad you're addressing it. Thank you. That, that makes me wonder, too, because there's a lot of debate in, this, in some science communities, like, is consciousness made by the brain or is consciousness not made by the brain? And then maybe, maybe some consciousness is made by the brain and some consciousness isn't. Yeah. There it is. Okay, it's in chapter two. Uh, I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put in the text area, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, I'm gonna. I gotta toast some bread because I'm starving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was actually why I took a break for a moment. I was like, I have to get like at least two or three bites in because I'm so hungry. Ugh. Oh yeah. Oh, is, is that, that your, is that is the, the community center, 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 center office, office or is that your apartment? No, this is the office. That's cool. I um, we're printing Miracles Monthly today, so I came in early to print. So see, yeah. this is this is about two hundred and thirty-five Miracles Monthlies before they're stapled and assembled. Oh wow! Yeah. So my project. Once we're done with class, I start taking them and stapling them. And then once we staple them, we fold them, and then we fold them a second time, and then we sticker them, and then we do the postage, and then... Oh. <laughs> oh, no, there's three sets of stickers. <laughs> Aren't the Miracles Monthly is also online, too? No. Oh. No, the articles eventually are put online, but Miracles Monthly itself, we don't put up, um, because that's a special gift to our supporting members. Okay. So eventually the articles will go up, but like this article, probably the one that's in this, 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 whatever this is called, this issue won't go up on the website for probably a year. Uh, yeah, I'm like, well, I, I, um, I really, I like your commentary on the listen, learn and do, um, I, personally, I, 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 for, for me, I feel like the for the do is is more interpersonal. But I, I liked how you said it's however Jesus is directing to in your life. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, so and I think that. I think it frequently is interpersonal. It's just I think that's kind of like the third step, and it's an important third step. 
Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I actually, I think we were in pretty much agreement for once, Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I sh sh share another thing since you're there? Okay, um, there's the two other things I highlighted that I, I didn't get a chance because I said so much about the first one. Um, uh, I highlighted miracles are expressions of total forgiveness. And then the other one is, oh, yeah, no, that's the main, that's the main thing that I. Okay. Uh, that I wanted to mention is miracles are natural expressions of total forgiveness. Um, what sticks out to me about that is, well, right previously that to that Lydia was saying, and, and other people, I say it sometimes, other people say it sometimes, that, you know, a miracle is just forgiveness. And I kind of get like, eh. I don't know about that. I know there, and since I think it's important to clarify, I I think there's a relationship between miracles and forgiveness, and forgiveness and miracles, but that they're not actually the same. But they lead to one another because if it if 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 forgiveness, it's it's if 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 it would say. If, for, if forgiveness was, if miracles were forgiveness, I think it would say miracles. I, it just seems, it's, it says miracles are natural expressions of forgiveness. I think forgiveness is one thing, and then an expression of forgiveness is a miracle. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, and so... Oh, um, I, that's just, that's just, sounds important to me. I like it. Well, I, I was, I, we can talk about this. I really like the end of 34, um, or paragraph 34. It says, you are the work of God and his work is wholly lovable and wholly loving. Oh, yeah. This is how a yeah. man must think of himself in his heart because that is what he is. I think so many, um, I've seen this a lot of course students just, you know, it, it's like, well, we're here because, you know, we separate from God and blah, blah, blah. And they have this thought like God, I won't say God hates us, but God just doesn't know us at all. And I think there's oh. a course like in that where that doesn't really jive with that definition so mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. anyway give me just a moment i need to get my toast out before it burns wow <laughs> hey brian and nathan hey brian hey hey i was just telling kelly like another thing i highlighted was Miracles are natural expressions of total forgiveness. And that is cool in itself, but what really sucks out to me was the, to me it's, it's, it feels clear that they're distinguishing that miracles are distinct from forgiveness, but they have a relationship, like they rely on each other. Um, 
because I was thinking, oh, what if it said miracles are forgiveness? But it doesn't. But it said. But it doesn't say. It says miracles are expressions of total forgiveness. So I think when we forgive, it leads to a miracle. And that was important. And I was telling Kelly, I think that's important to me because sometimes I hear myself or other people say, forgiveness is a miracle, or the, or the miracle is forgiveness. But I think that's almost stopping a little short because it says, oh, the benefit of like the reward of forgiveness is forgiveness. But this is saying the reward of forgiveness is miracles. And and that seems important because it was saying in the other one, miracles heal the sick and raise the dead. And I, I wouldn't expect my forgiveness to heal the sick. I would expect a miracle to heal the sick. So it makes a lot of sense when you combine those thoughts together and that, and then with the connecting point of understanding that miracles are expressions of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's really a big deal, Benjamin, because I don't know what other people's experience of their own personal relationship with God is like, but it feels to me like forgiveness is something that's actually done on the, I think Nathan will like this because Nathan is a good a good carrier of the crusade around us being, not being bodies, but that like forgiveness is our re-recognizing of whatever the attack or the moment was as us re-remembering that we're not a body. And that feels like it's on the worldly plane. And I don't know that on the worldly plane is where we would experience a miracle. The miracle is the connectedness between the two. And the forgiveness feels like the work we do on the worldly plane with guidance from the beyond, if that makes sense, which kind of connects to what, Reverend Kelly was saying about the three levels. So I don't want to say too much because our student of choice who asked the question is Jack. But I think it next to that a little bit. Well, and I'm, I'm going to jump in on you on that one there. I would disagree with you a little bit on the forgiveness issue. And I, I'm like, uh, I wish I had the talk on it. I'll see if I can find the talk on it. I did talk on forgiveness. Actually, it was in Miracles Monthly a few, ma- few months back. Um, I don't believe it's an interesting thing when you start reading about forgiveness very carefully in the course, it usually is not a verb. It's not something we do. It's something we have done to us and through us. So it's an interesting little distinction um, because I talk about, you know, there's those times where you're like, I need to forgive this person. Why aren't I forgiving this person? And I don't think it's our job to forgive. It's our job to be willing to forgive. And then the forgiveness is actually almost like a mystical experience that God does through us. God, I think that maybe I agree with you then. I guess the willingness is actually what I'm even talking about. And it's also where that same thing we said earlier, which is like, um, you uh, miracles are everyone's blah, 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 blah. Purification is necessary first. The purification yeah. feels like the willingness to have the forgiveness show up mm-hmm. in a way to me, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's like, maybe, um, you know what that sounds a lot like? Is in the first principle it was saying miracles are expressions of love. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and what is love is God is the source of love. And we're ta- and, and we're in the course. We're always talking about extremes. The course is very extreme. So I know when he 
he says love, he means like the ultimate love, not like my feelings for my girlfriend or my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so if if ultimate love from God can heal people, how are we going to let that come through? We forgive, forgive our perception of how we see them. And then the mystical experience of God's love can flow through that doorway mm -hmm. and um, bring a miracle of healing to the to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. Okay, real quickly, I just put in the chat, but I will um, email these to you also, not to be completely self-promoting, but I'm self-promoting. Um, <laughs> I just realized, I'm like, sorry. Um, and I'll Please talk about it. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll just be honest about it. Um, we get it. You're on a crusade. We understand. And I'll talk about the first one, but all these address stuff we've been talking about. The first one we're talking back to is the blog I did about, and I called it, um, I forgot what I called it, but it's like, your, your thoughts alone do not create your experience. And I very specifically, and I think actually, I talk better, Jack, describing, I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick, um, the three levels of consciousness, and where I got this from, or where I felt that the Course supported me in my understanding was chapter two, it says, you say just an idle thought, and mean that the thought has no effect, and then it goes down, I know, yeah, and then it goes down a little bit, and it says, it is time, however, to consider the whole world of the unconscious or unwatched mind. This may well frighten you because it is the source of fear. The unwatched mind is responsible for the whole content of the unconscious. You cannot understand conscious activity in these terms because content is applicable only to the mo more superficial unconscious levels to which the individual himself contributes. So then in a blog, and I think I discussed it in the blog much better than I did here in person, um, I've got the first level is that thinking level of consciousness, that which we are aware of seemingly as a function of our brains and which we tend to be dismissive of. Mm -hmm. The thinking mind is the one that's easiest for to work, us for to work with, though we are often lazy and let it roam at will. So that's what I have for the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. For the unconscious mind, I've got the second being the unconscious mind of the individual, the superficial level to which the individual contributes. The unconscious or subconscious mind is the home of the beliefs that we hold, which may not give voice to, wait, which we may not give voice to yet, have a significant effect on our choices, actions, and words, and is fed by the conscious mind or what the conscious mind lets through. Uh. The third is shown through comparison omission in this passage. If the individual is only contributing to the more superficial unconscious level, the implication is that there is another level which the thinking mind does not contribute and is a deeper unconscious level. This is the universal consciousness, God, mind, spirit. So anyway, I put the link there, but I will email you that because it's, 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 not, it's not a super long blog, but it is a blog. Um, there's more in it, but I kind of talk about all three levels. The last part you said there was, was considered kind of like the super subconscious level? Okay. The well, the super mind, yeah, the super, sub the super consciousness. Well, 
it's, it's more like the super subconscious, right? Is that what yeah. they were saying? Yeah, because it talks about like there's oh I lost oh wait I've got the quote here because to me that's shared with the what what's called the super consciousness yeah because that's that's where the reality is but mm -hmm. the unconscious or subconscious is is basically down there where our actual belief system is mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's what I say on the you blog know, but I'll send that to you and, and in the conscious level we're playing out we're playing out our confusion mm -hmm. yeah you know. But um, conscious thoughts, I'm pretty sure, can be measured in terms of their frequency, and so can emotions. It'd be interesting to know, like, if, if there's an order of like, like uh, lower conscious thoughts have like a low, oh, yeah. uh, like a big wavelength, and higher conscious thoughts, more spiritual, has like a shorter wavelength. Have you ever thought about becoming a statistician? Statistician. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding, but <laughs> you know, I, I, I guess uh, I guess I kind of get caught up sometimes, and it's like that old said, that old expression, "Figures lie and liars figure," and liars figure and figures lie type thing. Uh, we put a lot into polls and things like that, and and we're basing upon data. <laughs> yep. And. Uh, Reverend Kelly, I'm, having to, I'm having to learn how to let go of data yeah. just to be able to see clearly. Is is that that subconscious? Uh, do you think that because um, Carl Young was saying that all of us share our subconscious, and is that what you were saying in the article too? I think the shared everybody would be more the superconscious. Yeah, yeah, or the super subconscious. I, I think he only. I think he only had two consciousnesses. I don't think he had the third. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, fluctuating. There. Yeah. Would there be a shared consciousness of the? I guess there wouldn't be a shared egoic collective consciousness, or would there? We're all one, so there kind of is, but we manifest us separately. Because I, 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 the reason I ask is sometimes when I'm dreaming or meditating, it's really interesting. Maybe you guys have also had this experience. Sometimes I'm meditating and uh, um, I am totally, like, I'll be aware when I start to get down there so, of so much, like, uh, sex and violence and different confused thoughts that are, like, not even part of my conscious content. And then I get drawn away sometimes. And all of a sudden, I come to, and I can't, I can't go, go back to where my thoughts were. It was like, and, and or other times I'll have really positive ones or like a really powerful insight, but then, then I'll kind of come back to my normal consciousness, and I can't retrieve it. It's a lot like dreaming. It's like when I'm dreaming, it when I'm at the frequency of that dream consciousness, I know everything that I'm thinking but then when i wake up like a second later it's like i can't yeah. retrieve that state of mind and i'm wondering if it's actually like a different brainwave state like one is like six and one is like nine and once i switch from one to the other i'm completely the other thoughts are inaccessible um yeah i guess that's not really a question no but have you guys had that that's experience okay. where you're like dreaming or meditating and you are fully aware of something and then you switch to a different state of mind and you yeah 
You can't, yes. you have no idea what you were just thinking, but you yes. know you were thinking something. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And we're going to leave it at that. Now I'm going to tell you the other links I sent you and then I'll email you guys these also because there's a whole bunch here. Um, just because we guys are guys are shocked by different find very disturbing content and are Benjamin. shocked by it. Benjamin. Just tell Pause. me one thing. Yes, fine. Just that one thing. Yes. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so I'm going to send you, there's the set, I'll re-note these, but just so you know what they are before I send them to you. Um, Bart Bacon is a guy who was ordained by the CMC. He went through the program like you guys are. Um, he actually wrote an article called What is a Miracle According to A Course in Miracles? Mm-hmm. Um, and he cites Robert Perry, he cites Ken Wapnick, and then he shares his I know Rev and Tony thinks it's a really good article. I haven't read it, but I'll tell you, Rev and Tony thinks it's great. Um, I'm going to send you a YouTube link, which this is more for you, Brian, if you're interested. It's my talk on forgiveness. Um, it's called 83 Million Can't Be Wrong. Um, because there's, if you Google the word forgiveness, there's over 83 million hits on forgiveness. Um, and then I'll send you another link, which will be Robert Perry's discussion on what is a miracle. So I think all four of those, if you get a chance, are worthwhile. Like the Bart Bacon and Robert Perry articles are long. You got to have time to sit and contemplate. Um, my talk's about 23 minutes. My blog is of the four things I'm sending you. My blog is by far the shortest. Yay, blog! <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't updated the blog in a long time. I'm hoping once I move that that's going to be more of my focus is to start working on my stuff again. So. Hey. <gasps> Yay. Okay. 31. Who read last? I did. You did. You I being did. Lydia. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so that means Nathan would be starting. The next section we're going to read the same way being one miracle principle per person. And we're going to s- pause after 40. Mm-hmm. Which is like over two pages. So. That'd be a good place to pause. So, Nathan, start us off on principle 31, please. Miracles should inspire gratitude, not awe. Man should thank God for what he really is. The children of God are very holy, and the miracle honors their holiness. God's creations never lose their holiness, although it can be hidden. The miracle uncovers it and brings it into the light where it belongs. Holiness can never be really hidden in darkness but man can deceive himself about it. This illusion makes him fearful because he knows in his heart it is an illusion, and he exerts enormous efforts to establish its reality. The miracle sets reality where it belongs. Eternal reality belongs only to the soul, and the miracle acknowledges only the truth. It thus dispels man's illusions about himself and puts him in communion with himself and God. Christ inspires all miracles, which are really intercessions. They intercede for man's holiness and make his perceptions holy. By placing him beyond the physical laws, they raise him into the sphere of celestial order. In this order, man is perfect. The soul never loses its communion with God. Only the mind needs atonement. The miracle joins in the atonement of Christ by placing the mind in the service of the spirit. This establishes the proper function of the mind and corrects its errors. That was cool. Miracles honor people because people are lovable. 
They dispel mm -hmm. illusions about them and perceive the light in them. They thus atone for his errors by freeing him from his own nightmares. They release him from a prison in which he has imprisoned himself. And by freeing his mind from illusions, they restore his sanity. Man's mind can be possessed by illusions, but his spirit is eternally free. If a mind perceives without love, it perceives an empty shell and is unaware of the spirit within it. But the atonement restores the soul to its proper place. The mind that serves the spirit is invulnerable. Wow. Miracles restore the, restore the mind to its fullness. By atoning for lack, they establish perfect protection. The strength of the soul leaves no room for intrusions. The forgiven are filled with the soul, and they forgive in return. It is the duty of the released to release their brothers. The forgiven are the means of atonement. Those released by Christ must join in releasing their brothers, for this is the plan of the atonement. Miracles are the way in which minds which serve the spirit unite with Christ for the salvation or release of all God's creations. <clears throat> Miracles are expressions of love, but it does not follow that they will always be effective. I am the only one who can perform miracles indiscriminately because I am the atonement. You have a role in the atonement, which I will direct to you. Ask me which miracles you should perform. This spares you exhaustion because you will act under direct communication. Christ-controlled miracles are part of the atonement, but Christ's guidance is personal and leads to personal salvation. The impersonal nature of miracles is an essential ingredient. That's me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, go on. Um, uh, where was I? Okay. The impersonal nature of miracles is an essential ingredient because this enables me to control their distribution. Christ's guidance leads to the highly personal experience of revelation. This is why it involves personal choice. A guide does not control, but he does direct, leaving the following up to you. Lead us not into temptation means guide us out of our own errors. Take up thy cross and follow me means recognize your errors and choose to abandon them by following my guidance. Remember that error cannot really threaten truth, which can always withstand it. Only the error is really vulnerable. You are free to establish your kingdom where you see fit. But the right choice is inevitable if you remember this. The soul is in a state of grace forever. Man's reality is only his soul. Therefore, man is in a state of grace forever. Atonement undoes all errors in this respect and thus uproots the real source of fear. Whenever God's reassurances are experienced as threat, it is always because you are defending misplaced and misdirected loyalty. 
That is what projection always involves. Error is lack of love. When man projects this onto others, he does imprison them, but only to the extent that he reinforces errors they have already made. This makes them vulnerable to the distortions of others, since their own perception of themselves is distorted. The miracle worker can only bless, and this undoes their distortions and frees them from prison. Okay. Miracles are examples of right thinking. Reality contact at all levels becomes strong and accurate, thus permitting correct delineation of intra and interpersonal boundaries. As a result, the doer's perceptions are aligned with truth as God created it. A miracle is a correction factor introduced into false thinking by me. It acts as a catalyst, shaking up erroneous perception and reorganizing it properly. This places man under the atonement principle where his perception is healed. Until this has occurred, revelation of the divine order is impossible. <laughs> the spiritual eye is the mechanism of miracles because what it perceives is true. It perceives both the creations of God and the creations of man among the creations uh, and the creations of man. Among the creations of man, it can also separate the true from the false by its ability to perceive totally rather than selectively. It thus becomes the proper instrument for reality testing, which always involves the nece necessary distinction between the false and the true. The miracle dissolves error because the spiritual eye identifies errors as false or unreal. This is the same as saying that by perceiving light, Darkness automatically disappears. Darkness is lack of light, as sin is lack of love. It has no unique properties of its own. It is an example of the scarcity fa fa fallacy from which only error can proceed. Truth is always abundant. Those who perceive and acknowledge that they have everything have no need for driven behavior of any kind. Mm. Okie doke. Pause time. Um, Lydia, mm -hmm. why don't you stir us off? Oh, okay. Um, hmm. Where are we going? I didn't really make notes on this one. Um, it's all so interesting. But I guess, um, let me go back to 38. The principle, 38. Um, a miracle is a correction factor introduced into false thinking by me. Um, I love it when uh, Jesus speaks directly. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, very, it's very comforting. Um, um, more, more as we get into the book, um, I know this is just the beginning, but I love it the way that they say um, we are only in error. We're not bad. We're not evil. We're not dark-hearted villains. We're just in error. <laughs> and that is comforting because errors take all forms. You know, racism, bigotry, 
homophobia, all sorts of things are mm -hmm. errors and they can be corrected, but it takes our little willingness. And um, we discussed this earlier today, like the willingness to allow ourselves to be corrected or allow our thinking to be corrected is all it takes. And it's, it's amazing how resistant we are to being willing if we think we're right. <laughs> I always want to be right, not happy. <laughs> How's that working for you? <laughs> well, as long as you're willing. <laughs> I think I really hope that Susan, when she spends time with us on her homework, is 37 feels like a really helpful one for those of us who have a hard time creating boundaries. I'm sure no one here has that problem. But um, where it says miracles are examples of right thinking, reality contact at all levels becomes strong and accurate, thus permitting correct delineation of intra and interpersonal boundaries. Mm. That was really. Uh, it's uh, reassuring to hear the word boundaries and miracles within the same principle, kind of, that it can be part of the conversation. And that I think is for someone who has a hard time being like, everything is permissible. This is a, that's a good, what, that what paragraph is that again? 37. 37. It, it's principle 37. So mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. around paragraph 54. Paragraph 54. Yeah. yeah. Paragraph. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you pointed that out, Brian. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Um, I um, I'm kind of sciency, and I, I uh, there, this, this, this part about the spiritual eye I highlighted. Uh, I can't find my paragraph now, but the just the fact that it says spiritual eye. And it's 59. Um, it's 56 if anyone's looking for it. Okay. Oh, 59. I want to just see. Um, maybe come back to me. Jackie, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I found it. Yeah, 57. So, okay. Yeah, right in there. 56 and 57. Okay. The spiritual eye is the mechanism of miracles. And it talks about because it perceives it's true. Because what it perceives is true. It perceives the creations of God and the creations of man. Like so, The creations of God, we know, from the Course, are real and eternal. Creations of man are illusions. We need an eye that can see and distinguish between them. Um, well, I, I just want to kind of like underline for emphasis. Um, there, there I, I learned recently, actually like a couple of years ago now, that in our... Uh, pineal gland mm -hmm. there are these crystals called piezoelectric crystals and what they're they're the same crystals that are in old-fashioned radios that let you tune between different radio stations mm -hmm. and how they tune is when you turn the dial it compresses the crystal which changes its color and frequency and then when you relax pressure from it it changes to a different frequency so it actually is a receiver it turns tunes into different frequencies so we have those in our pineal gland. So it's possible that through um, a mechanism up here, when we apply pressure to the piezoelectric crystals, um, mm -hmm. that through our brain somehow, like maybe blood pressure, 
it can it can it can make our those crystals uh, change to a frequency where we can we could see like in, in different dimensions. And I think that's how it's it's possible where um, through our third eye, the spiritual eye, we can see um, we could see uh, uh, our uh, spirits, Jesus standing here. We could see auras and all that stuff. So I just wanted to add that to the conversation. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, there's there's two two things that caught my attention uh, specifically. Uh, one was uh, back in, uh, I guess, paragraph forty six or miracle thirty three. Oh. Okay. Uh, at the down toward the middle, it says, "Man's mind, man's mind can be possessed by illusions." And I guess that's, you know, over, over the years, you, know, you hear about people being possessed and things like that. Well, it just drove home, you know, it just drives home the idea that it's the illusions that we have mm-hmm. that, that actually possess us and, and not, not something outside of ourselves. Because, again, you know, there's nothing outside of ourselves uh, except an illusion. So it's the illusions that actually... Uh, is what possesses us. I thought that was just an interesting confirmation. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was yeah. Yeah. Um, paragraph 52 uh, within, uh, within Miracle 36, mm-hmm. where it says, the soul is in a state of grace forever. Man's reality is only his soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reverend Kelly, maybe you can expound upon that a little bit, uh, because I've always had a little bit of confusion about the soul. And uh, it, it, I'll tell you what it's telling me. It says man's reality is only his soul. Well, that makes me think that man's reality, that reality being his unconscious or his level of belief, is his soul. And not his true, not his true spirit. Am I understanding that correctly? I don't think so. Yeah, I went because because to me the first sentence says the soul is in a state of grace forever, mm-hmm. and to me the unconscious you can have false thoughts at the unconscious yeah. level that wouldn't. I mean, they'd be forgiven, but it's not what I would call in a state of grace. I would put this more as the soul being that super conscious thing that we're one with. Now I say the FIP takes the soul out. Soul's just gone. Just gone. Reference for your true spirit. Yeah, they tossed out soul. Soul's not there. Um, Which, as a side note, if you guys are interested, I know some of you like to read the Circle of Atonement. Um, One, there's a lot of footnotes, but just FYI. um, Even between the Circle of Atonement to the original edition, there's quite a bit of editing. Um, that happened, and then from the original edition to the FIP is radically edited. Um, so it, there's a bunch of talk, talk on sex that we totally didn't even get to in this section. Um, good talk. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. So um, for those of you who have the Circle of Atonement edition, you might want, if you're interested, um, just an FYI, there's a lot of cameos that relate to this section, um, and a lot of footnotes, and a lot of just material that got you know that she originally channeled so it's originally channeled but then by the original edition the original edition's gone through a couple of edits 
um, which were the ones that Helen and Bill did together. Um, so it's just interesting. There, there's quite a bit of changes. And it's your personal decision as to what you think should have been edited or should not have been edited. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. So um, we got to move on. This I, is the last I, section's I, the longest. Um, I'll let you, you, you can talk at the after party, Benjamin. <laughs> we, we, we got over three pages to finish, 41 to 50. There's some long ones in here. Um, if you get a long one, I love you. Thank you for reading it well. Um, like whoever's got 42, 42 is long. Um, but Jack, you are starting us on 40. Actually, I think Lydia, you're going to end up with a long one again. You do so well with it, Lydia. Um, Jack's going to start us on 41. Okay. okay. Jack. The miracle acknowledges all men as your brothers and mine. It is a way of perceiving the universal mark of God in them. The specialness of God's Son does not stem from exclusion, but from in inclusion. All my brothers are special. If they believe they are deprived of anything, their perception becomes distorted. When this occurs, the whole family of God, or the sonship, is impaired in its relationships. Ultimately, every member of the family of God must return. The miracle calls him to return because it blesses and honors him, even though he may be absent in spirit. God is not mocked. Is not, God is not mocked. Is not a warning, but a reassurance of, on this point. God would be mocked if any of his creations lacked holiness. The creation is whole, and the mark of wholeness is holiness. Mm. Wholeness is the perceptual content of miracles. It thus corrects or atones for the faulty perception of lack anywhere. Here we begin to make the fundamental distinction between miracles and projection. The stimulus must precede the response and will also determine the kind of response that is evoked. Behavior is response. So that the question response to what becomes crucial. Since stimuli are identified through perception, you first perceive the stimulus and then behave accordingly. It follows then that as ye perceive, so shall ye behave. The golden rule asks you to behave toward others as you would have them behave toward you. This means that the perception of both must be accurate. The golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior. You cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive accurately because appropriate behavior depends on lack of level confusion. The presence of level confusion always results in variable reality testing and therefore invariably, invariability in behavioral appropriateness. Since you and your neighbor are equal members of the same family, as you perceive both, 
so you will behave toward both. The way to perceive for golden rule behavior is to look out from the perception of your own holiness and perceive the holiness of others. The emptiness engendered by fear should be replaced by love because love and its absence are in the same dimension and correction cannot be undertaken except within a dimension. Otherwise, there has been a confusion of levels. Death is a human affirmation of a belief in hate or level confusion. That is why the Bible says there is no death and why I demonstrated that death does not exist. I came to fulfill the law of reinterpreting it by reinterpreting it. The law itself, if properly understood, offers only protection to man. It is those who have yet changed their have not yet changed their minds who entered the hellfire concept into it. I assure you that I will witness for anyone who lets me and to whatever extent he permits it. Your witnessing demonstrates your belief and thus strengthens it. Those who witness for me are expressing through their miracles that they have abandoned the belief in deprivation in favor of the abundance they have learned belongs to them. A major contribution of miracles is their strength in releasing man from his misplaced sense of isolation, deprivation, and lack. Miracles are affirmations of sonship, which is a state of completion and abundance. Whatever is true and real is eternal and cannot change or be changed. The soul is therefore unalterable because it is already perfect and the mind can elect the level it chooses to serve. The only limit which is put on its choice is that it cannot serve two masters. The mind, if it elects to do so, becomes a medium by which the soul creates along the line of its own creation. If it does not freely elect to do so, it retains its creative potential, but places itself under tyrannous rather than genuinely authoritative control. As a result, it imprisons because such are the dictates of tyrants. To change your mind means to place it at the disposal of true authority. The miracle is thus a sign that the mind has chosen to be led by Christ in his service. The abundance of Christ is the natural result of choosing to follow him. All shallow roots must be uprooted because they are not deep enough to sustain you. The illusion that shallow roots can be deepened and thus made to hold is one of the distortions on which the reversal of the golden rule rests. As these false underpinning, underpinnings are given up, the equilibrium is temporarily experienced as unstable. However, the fact is that nothing is less stable than an orientation that is upside down, nor can anything which holds it that way be really conducive to greater stability. Miracles arise from a miraculous state of mind. By being one, this state of mind goes out to anyone, even without the awareness of the miracle worker himself. The impersonal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creations with their creator. Uh -uh. 
Excuse me. Uh, the miracle is an expression of an inner. Oh. Is it, am I reading the right one? Yeah, you're right. Awareness of Christ and the acceptance of his, his atonement. The acceptance of his atonement. The mind is then in a state of grace and naturally becomes gracious both to the host within and the stranger without. By bringing in the stranger, he becomes your brother. A, a miracle is never lost. It touches many people you do not even know and sometimes produces undreamed of changes and forces of which you are not even aware. That is not your concern. The miracle will always bless you. The miracles you are not asked to perform have not lost their value. They are still expressions of your own state of grace, but the action aspect of the miracle should be Christ-controlled because of his complete awareness of the whole plan. The impersonal nature of miracle-mindedness ensures your grace, but only Christ is in a position to know where grace can be bestowed. Mm. <clears throat> Miracle-mindedness means miracle readiness. Readiness means that you should always keep your perceptions straight so that you will always be ready, willing, and able. These are the essentials for listen, learn, and do. You must be ready to listen, willing to learn, and able to do. Only the last is involuntary because it is the application of miracles, which must be Christ-controlled. The other two, which are the voluntary aspects of miracle-mindedness, are up to you. Awe is an inappropriate response to miracles. Revelation is literally unspeakable because it is an experience of unspeakable love. Awe should be reserved for revelation, to which it is perfectly and correctly applicable. It is not appropriate for miracles because a state of awe is worshipful. It implies that one of a lesser order stands before a greater one. This is the case only when a soul stands before its creator. Souls are perfect creations and experience awe only in the presence of the creator of perfection. The miracle, on the other hand, is a sign of love among equals. Equals cannot be in awe of one another because awe implies inequality. It is therefore an inappropriate reaction to me. An elder brother is entitled to respect for his greater experience and a reasonable amount of obedience for his greater wisdom. He is also entitled to love because he is a brother and also to devotion if he is devoted. It is only my devotion that entitles me to yours. There is nothing about me that you cannot attain. I have nothing that does not come from God. The main difference between us as yet is that I have nothing else. This leaves me in a state of true holiness, which is only a potential in you. No man cometh unto the Father but by me is among the most misunderstood statements in the Bible. It does not mean that I am in any way separate or different from you except in time 
which does not really exist at all. Actually, the quotations is more meaningful if it is considered on a vertical rather than a horizontal axis. Regarded along the vertical, man stands below me and I stand below God. In the process of rising up, I am higher. This is because without me, the distance between God and man would be too great for you to encompass. I bridge the distance as an elder brother to man on the one hand and as a son of God on the other. My devotion to my brothers has placed me in charge of the sonship, which I can render complete only to the extent to which I can share it. This may appear to contradict the statement, I and my father are one, but there are still separate parts in the statement in recognition that the father is greater. The original statement was, are of one kind. The Holy Spirit is the bringer of revelation. Revelations are indirectly inspired by me because I am close to the Holy Spirit and alert to the revelation readiness of my brothers. I can thus bring down to them more than they can draw down to themselves. The Holy Spirit is the highest communication medium. Miracles do not involve this type of communication because they are temporary communication devices. When man returns to his original form of communication with God, the need for miracles is over. The Holy Spirit mediates higher to lower communication, keeping the direct channel from God to man open for revelation. Revelation is not reciprocal. It is always from God to man. The miracle is reciprocal because it involves equality. The miracle is a learning device which lessens the need for time. In the longitudinal or horizontal plane, the recognition of the true equality of all the members of the sonship appears to involve almost endless time. However, the sonship from horizontal to vertical perception, which the miracle entails, introduces an interval from which the doer and the receiver both emerge much further along in time than they would have been. The miracle thus has the unique property of shortening time by rendering the space of time it occupies unnecessary. There is no relationship between the time a miracle takes and the time it covers. It substitutes for learning that might have taken thousands of years. It does this by the underlying recognition of perfect equality and holiness between the doer and the receiver on which the miracle rests. We said before that the miracle abolishes time. It does this by a process of collapsing it and thus abolishing certain intervals within it. It does this, however, within the larger temporal sequence. It establishes an out-of-pattern time interval, which is not under the usual laws of time. Only in this sense is it, is it timeless. By collapsing time, it literally saves time. Much as daylight savings times does, it rearranges the distribution of light. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, at least there's something positive about daylight savings time. I know. Right. I couldn't think of anything. No. <laughs> okay, the miracle is the only device which man has at his immediate disposal for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to wait, do with Wait, are you reading? Time. Stop. We're done. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, I thought you were commenting. I was like, I wait, this too. sounds I was really... like, whoa. Really? <laughs> We're like, whoa, Benjamin got really enlightened there. <laughs> yeah, we're on discussion. Nathan, you want to hop in on this? Mr. Mayfield. Aquí estoy, señor. I like the reference to the golden rule a whole lot because that to me is really the basis of all like human action. And, uh, yeah, I love that too. I was inspired to read it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the bedrock and um, <clears throat> the, the illusion that shallow roots can be deepened. Yeah, that, uh, to me, that really speaks of when I have tried to make an illusion real, which would be shallow roots. You know, I've tried to make a, uh, a romantic relationship real, for instance, or something, you know, like a, instead of, and you work at it all day and all night. It's like the, the Greek uh, myth of uh, whoever the dude was that pushed the boulder up the hill. This is us. Yeah. And, uh, every day, every morning, you had to do the same thing. And so that's trying to make those shallow roots deep. You know? So, but the basic lies, you know, that we have learned, you know, need to be unlearned. Yeah. One, one that came to mind, I don't know if it relates to what we're talking here, one that came to mind on, over the first here, this new year, was, oh, and we've all done this probably, oh, you, you are the love of my life. You know, it's like that Disney, you know, uh, thing that, you know, they got, you got a twin frame or, or, you know, this other half that's going to make you complete lie, you know, mm -hmm. and it's so embedded in our collective. But that one, you know, kind of struck me, the love of my life. Well, then that means there's only one out there and that's, you know, and it's a separating device again. But mm -hmm. how often have we used those things, you know, and thought, oh, it feels so sticky, sweet and good, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yep. that's my comment for the first of the year. <laughs> I also think the golden rule thing is, it's important where it says a lack of level confusion, because if we're talking about appropriate behavior, I mean, you're not my headmistress and you're not my Mary Poppins and you're not my boss and you aren't God. So appropriate behavior depends on our ability to see almost to see through the behavior with that other site that we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. so that it's like with the seeing of forgiveness. And so to me, I translate the golden rule because somehow the golden rule feels like it falls on deaf ears for me because it's been said so many times it doesn't exactly work, but it's almost like I have to believe that everyone is doing the best that they can in any given moment because that yes. works as a better way of living, <clears throat> life, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so that if I'm looking out from that position, I'm doing the best I can. They're doing the best they can no matter how many times they cut in front of me at security today. <laughs> they didn't do it on purpose, or maybe they did, but they're doing the best they can. Like, mm -hmm. that's, you know, that that is, um, that's kind of how that's that, going. Yeah. I said, remember that when you get a bag of crushed pretzels. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, Emi Maimo. Emi Maimo. Jack. Jack. You're the winner what? of the Amy Meeny Mighty Mo. Who gets to close us out in prayer? <laughs> Same as last week, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we just thank you for being there, being steadfast, patient, and loving us beyond the, just just beyond what we have forgotten <laughs> how to love. We just thank you for for sharing with us, for caring for us in a loving way, and in loving ways that we don't fully understand, and ways that we don't even recognize your presence when it is there. We thank Jesus for his willingness to stand beside us as our brother, to communicate with you, and to present our willingness to receive and be part of this great oneness that is. We ask that you open our eyes, or at least move us in that direction, to open our eyes to the awareness of that oneness and keep that ever present in our spiritual vision. That we may learn to share that with one another and with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jack. Yeah, wonderful prayer, Jack. Thank you. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I said Brian must have had to run off for his plane, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I, I was going to say, I I liked, it took me a long time to, to understand this horizontal and vertical thing. I know when it was introduced to me, I was kind of like, oh, this work? And it, and it just took a long time for it to, to sink in and begin to come, become clear in my awareness. And I, I don't know what I'd do without it now. <laughs> you know? Knowing that, that the horizontal aspect of it is just us, you know, being out there in our, our ego just you know, just pushing pushing things out there and and seeing if anything flies and <clears throat> it never does, but it and we think it does at times. <clears throat> but just just knowing that 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 there's that that vertical aspect of it and that and, and seeing that in in my mind in my mind's vision just just helps me keep clarity because I, I like this idea of the collapsing. Of, of time. time. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, I put. I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. You're, you go ahead. Uh, no. Oh, well, I have to. I have to go. I have to like um, call some people and. Um, but I just wanted to say that like, um, I really appreciate this class. I really do. It's yeah. one of the best gifts I could have. Oh, um, by the way, Reverend Kelly. Um, I did um, attend online the um, 
the 2018 reboot of Jennifer Hadley. Oh, good. And, and um, I, I just have to see if uh, her program's going to be for me. I, I don't get the same connection because there's so many people. Yeah. I mean, there's like a lot of people from all over the world right. and uh, it's, it's hard to feel connected and um, you go into like a like chat, chat room, room and then, and then they sort of pull you out really quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a definitely a different format. It's more of, my experience with Jennifer's classes, it's more of learning from her speaking than you interacting as much. Okay, you know what? I, uh, but since I already paid for it, I'm just going to like try to get into it and, and see, and then see how it goes. And, yeah. yeah, and see how it goes. Oh, okay. by the way, uh, giving, giving, giving the, the universe mm -hmm. for Christmas uh, I just wanted to tell you, um, <laughs> because I'm always doing that, <laughs> instead of giving him a tie like he really wants, um, he actually started reading it, nice. and um, the print is really small, and it hurts his eyes, so like, mm. he bought the um, the abridged version, the audible. the audible. Wow. And he loves it. He's really He's really getting into it, and he's only, uh, he's only um, listened to it for like an hour. Oh, wow. And you know, there's lots of hours going on there. So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> separate totally off topic. Sorry, guys. Mm -hmm. We're like hijacking for a moment. Um, <laughs> did you sign up for any excursions? Um, oh, no, I didn't sign up for any excursions. Um, I forgot to look at them. Um, okay. I, I just knew about one of them, and that was the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon. I okay, get a chance to look at them. Mm -hmm. um, you and I can talk later. I'm kind of like asking my students there's a chance I can't guarantee mm -hmm. but there's a chance that I might ask you to be a liaison for oh, an okay. excursion and if you do that then you get a discounted rate for going so oh, really? so anybody that goes with you would be full price but you would get a discount rate um but then okay. you have to do some work for me on it okay. so okay um you know what can you email me and tell me exactly what a liaison does and <laughs> basically you, you you get the tickets from me and I explain to you how to get there, and you meet the people, and you get them there, and you get them back, and you handle oh. the tickets for me. Oh, okay. Okay. So we'll talk more later, but let me know what ones you're interested in, mm -hmm. and then, like, if, if I need that, I will let you know, because we're short. Like, two of my big people that did liaisoning are not coming this year. So, and I've, I've got a lot of excursions and nobody to head them up right now. Okay. Okay, okay. so let me know what you're interested in. Um, for sure, and then what you're interested in, if I can get you, like, a cheap ticket. Okay. All right. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. So long, everybody. Bye. <laughs> uh, sweetness. I, had, I just wanted to point out, I posted something for you guys to see, uh, um, which is a YouTube video, and it's a... Uh, this is a link to a guy, Chris Gore. It's on the group chat section right there. Yeah, I'm going to include it in the email and to everybody. A, oh, that's nice of you. Yeah. He's a, oh, that's cool. He's a modern day uh, miracle worker, I would say, in the most traditional sense. Um, and I've actually got the privilege to meet him in person here in Minneapolis. But he, um, he he's part of this church called Bethel in California and they have these things called healing rooms and people come and they just get in a they just get them in a really positive state of mind and then pray for them 
and oftentimes very extraordinary things happen like um people healing from surgeries uh, cancer tumors on um, you know all kinds of different things and this is just one of his this is just one 10 minute video i put there that is his testimony of he was preaching uh from the bible and like t 10 or 11 people got healed of like these blood disorders um it's really fascinating so Okay, you gotta go, Nathan. Bye, Nathan. And I just included that because as we're talking about what a miracle is, what a miracle isn't, and all that, I, I just thought it'd be helpful to see their perspective too because uh, he, he's not, not part of the Course in Miracles, um, but, um, but, um, but, but it's, it's, it's awesome, you know, and, and so I so wanted to include that. Got it. Yeah. I think that's part of, just on a more personal level, I think my part of my, my calling in life, I'm very called to unite different groups of religions and peoples. Like I've been, I've been, ex, I've, maybe everybody's had this experience, but I feel like I've, in my life experiences, just, the friends that I've met, I've I've been introduced to a lot of different religious communities, like Baha'i people, Catholic people, mainstream Christians, of course, the Miracles people, Native American people, and gotten pretty close to some of them. And I feel like it's part of my life's mission is to like, like, just um, build build bridges of understanding and cooperation between all those different communities and uh yeah i heard i heard recently a really really fascinating statistic that apparently in the bible i don't know have any idea where it says this in the bible but apparently in the bible it says that there's like when the rapture happens there's only going to be 144,000 people that go to heaven I have no idea where it says that, but I was watching something the other day that's like, yeah, it's right there in the Bible. But then the but then the the guy said, but there's eighty six thousand different denominations of Christians, <laughs> and they're and they're like arguing about whose denomination is gonna go to. Well, I was to say my understanding. Of... My understanding was it was one hundred forty four thousand Jews. It wasn't Christians going on that section. So. Oh. Oh wow. You, so can read about that in, you can read about that in Revelations. That's where it's... Where it's well, that's where oh, is that where it is? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that must that must mean something else. Um, anyways, why did I bring that up? I bring that up because there's too many denominations. Well, maybe there's not too many denominations, but we just need to harmonize. Yeah, and it's interesting. it's interesting that, you know, when they talk about numbers... Uh, in in the Bible, we uh, I've, I've basically given up on trying to really understand or figure out uh, how to decipher all of that stuff because of of what I currently see in the world. You know, yeah. we're talking about seeing millions and millions of people, and then when you you're reducing it down to one hundred forty four thousand, it's just like. How does that work? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't believe well, that is like going to happen. No, I don't have to know how it works. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it could be that 
it could be that re you know this reincarnation idea the only the only number of people that are going to actually be on the earth at that time may be 144,000 I don't know yeah I know but yeah it's I just pulled it up it's Revelation chapter 7 and it specifically is saying um, of the tribes of Israel and then it goes through the different tribes of Israel right 12,000 from this one 12,000 maybe there's a maybe we have 144,000 particular ancestors that their children's children like like are, are down to our generation equals to be like billions of people who knows or maybe it's just malarkey yeah well, I don't know. Um, i'm sure there's something to it but you know for us to really be able to figure it out would would be a there's got to yeah there's got to ask you know that that we really have it it does it's of no value to, yeah. to really know it but yeah you know, I was thinking, uh, you know, her, I was listening to you guys a little bit during the break uh, uh, about, you know, on your discussions about forgiveness. And, and that's one of the key things I've been basically, uh, you know, journaling on and, and, and uh, writing things down about. And uh, it's interesting to note that, you know, forgiveness, it, it's not an aspect of reality. It's just a tool that we use here in, in this experience. Yeah, forgiveness is the last illusion. Yeah, to basically help us get beyond our fears and our judgments of things. So, uh, so we we can we can really hash hash over and over this this idea of forgiveness, but it's it's interesting to know that when we really awakened to the reality of what forgiveness is, okay? We no longer need. Nope. We yeah. no longer see it as useful, and that's why it's not a part of true reality. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's why I. I, I oh, go ahead. That's. <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, that's why I included that video though, because it's it's so so practical and brings it down to earth for me. And but hey, I wanted to ask you also about. Did I tell you about the Star of Bethlehem movie? No. Dude, okay. Do you have the day off today? Oh, yeah. Dude, I am begging you, please. There's a movie I really, really want you to watch. It's so good, Jack. Um, it's called The Star of Bethlehem. And I yeah. think you might be able to get it on YouTube uh, if you like, or order it or... Um, but um, it's a very, 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 very good movie about um, the star of Bethlehem in like the astrological star. And basically what happened is um, in like the, oh, hey, Reverend Kelly. I was just telling Jack, um, I am asking you guys, I asked Reverend Tony, maybe you heard about this. There's a movie I saw recently called the star of bethlehem that is so good did reverend tony tell you i was like texting him every day about it yeah yeah it's I saw, so well, and you, good. Had sent, you had sent it to miracles at Earthlink, which is our general box so i saw it too i mean i saw the email oh okay it, but yeah. yeah yeah and um it's it's like one of the it's like one of the top three best movies i've ever seen and i'll just give you a brief brief introduction what it's about is that in the in the 
1800s, um, this scientist, I think his name is Copernicus, he like developed these mathematical equations where you can, uh, you can track where the planets and the stars are going to be at any time. And that's the same equations we can use now to like launch rockets and satellites and know exactly where they're going to land whenever we want them to land there. Well, they use those. One of the first things they did when they discovered those equations was to reverse, go back in time and know exactly what the constellations were during Jesus's birth. And they're trying to find the star of Bethlehem and, they, and know like what star in the sky is it? Well, they weren't able to find it because at that time, this was about 400 years ago, um, they had the wrong information about King Herod and like when the ki he tried to kill the children. Uh, but like a several hundred years later, like the church came out with more ac accurate historical documents that enabled us to pinpoint like the, the day of Jesus's birth much more precisely and the, and the hour of his crucifixion much more precisely. And with that new information, they were able to use these equations and go back in time and, and find exactly which was the star of Bethlehem. And um, it's a really fascinating documentary. It's really well done, I think. Um, and, uh, and the, 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 um, the one of the climaxes of the movie was about the moment of Jesus's crucifixion. And they explain this much better in the movie, but what they said in the Bible is that the moon was covered in it. I'm getting this from the movie that they said in the Bible that the moon was covered with blood at the hour of Jesus's crucifixion. And you kind of read that and you're like, how could you, how could the moon be covered with blood? That must be poetry. Well, it turns out when they did these equations, they went back and they were able, they were able to pinpoint from like seven or eight different Bible verses based on when different festivals were, where different, where different festivals were that they were referencing, they were able to pinpoint within the hour of it very accurately that Jesus uh, died on the cross. And on that exact hour, there was this thing called the blood moon, which is an eclipse, like a certain type of eclipse that turns the whole moon red. And it's like, whoa! So it's, it's just like jaw-dropping to see the, the science and the math actually verify exactly what the scriptures say. And I, I'm a big person of, 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 of confessing, like, don't trust everything the Bible says because there's a lot of editing and stuff. And so I'm really about debunking a lot of false stuff. But this was really powerful to say, even despite all that editing, there's... A lot of things in the Bible that are insanely like prophetic and just mystical and profound. And, and this is like really reveals that. But the thing is, is that though when he that it was pro, it was prophesied that by the Jews hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, that the Messiah would be killed on the cross and stuff like that. And and they prophesied like like 40 different things about him that before is he hundreds of years before they even he was even born and to think that um I, I was watching a movie called the case for christ another documentary and and they had a science professor uh do the math and find out that because they went through the old testament or the torah and 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 identified what is every single prophecy that 
of, about the Messiah, and they found, okay, every single one that Jesus fulfilled, and they asked themselves this question. What are the odds that just any person could have fulfilled all those prophecies in order to say, you know, maybe we're making too much out of Jesus. Maybe, maybe these prophecies aren't very specific, and a lot of people could have done that. Well, they ran the calculations on every prophecy that was done about the Messiah and, and every one that Jesus fulfilled, and they found that it was one in 14 trillion. One in 14 trillion is, is the odds that any, but any random person could have fulfilled those. Anyways, those are amazing odds, almost impossible. And so then you think, well, the Bible prophesied that this would happen on a certain hour, and there's a, a one in 14 trillion chance that anybody could have been that guy on the cross. And this thing was, and this thing was written in the stars in such a way that there was a blood moon eclipse at that exact hour. So then it, it brings you back to the innate intelligence of the universe or like God or the Holy Spirit would have had to have known at the creation of the universe when the stars and planets were set, when the star, when the Big Bang was set into motion and, before, and, and stars and planets, the exact hour that Jesus was, was going to be crucified would have had to have been known from the beginning of time because it was, and then it happened and there was a, a, a total eclipse. It's, it's so amazing. And, um, and, and, and then that brings me to bring it back to the Course in Miracles. So because, because we, now we're talking about time travel today in today's lesson, we're talking about controlling time. And sometimes people think about in the future, we'll be able to try and travel back in time. But what does Course Miracles say about the crucifixion and the resurrection? It, it, and if you've ever watched Back to the Future, you know that if you go back in time and change one thing, it can like change your whole life. Well, the Course Miracles says the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus is the only event in space-time that cannot be altered. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. I, 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 don't, I don't know how they come to those conclusions, but uh, uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, they can, you know, that they've been able to take all of that information and go back and look at it and pinpoint, pinpoint times. Like, I keep wondering, can they go back and pinpoint the, the birth date of, of Jesus? Supposedly, yes. Yeah, but I haven't ever heard of it. Haven't ever heard of a date. Yeah, okay, I, I, I don't know if I've heard an exact date, but I know they've got like a time frame that it's not December, and they they kind of know when it is. But I don't know if it's specific specific. Yeah, I was thinking it was more like around March or April or something like that, but uh, I don't know. But obviously, uh, it, there's there's some information out there that can help lead them to at least a, a time frame so i don't know but that, would you guys would you watch the star please that's interesting i, I think i'd like to watch that and see what they I'd say i don't i haven't watched that one i've watched one very i've either watched that one or watched one that was like basically identical to it before what yeah was it and called? it's I, that's I don't remember that i'm like it might have even been the star but i know i've seen a movie on all that so yeah. Oh, really? Well, I know that. Yeah, remember I'm a Bible scholar. <laughs> oh, you are? My first, my college oh, degree was that. in Bible. Yeah, my college degree is in Bible. Oh, really? So, mm -hmm. 
You know what, Reverend Kelly, I got to tell you one other thing then, since you're a Bible scholar, because this is something that I've been, I've been, I've been holding inside myself without really many people to share it with, because I don't want people to, like, stone me. Because <laughs> it's so, like, it's so, uh, it's really radical. But, like, you, you know, God. You know, I, okay, have, I'll make it. Okay, have you heard of Enki and Enlil? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, en, their names is Enki and Enlil. Okay. This is so amazing. I'm going to try to. Do, okay. Can I. I just want to see if I can email you something. Well, say what's on your mind. Okay, I'll say what's on your, my mind, and then I'll try to email. Uh, yes. um, basically, it's so profound. Okay, so I'm, I watched this program on Gaia TV, Gaia.com, about um, ancient civilizations. And one of the things that where they're covering is uh, the civilization of Samaria. Now, Modern scholars consider Samaria to be the birthplace of civilization, basically. They think it's where the first language developed, where the first society was and everything, and that everything goes back to there. And so now there is such a thing called these tablets, called Sumerian tablets. And I think if if I remember right, there was like 20,000 of them. And um, 12 of these tablets contained stories that were like exactly the stories of the Garden of Eden. But the thing is, is there were hundreds of years, maybe, I don't know if it was hundreds of years or thousands of years before the, 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 the Torah was even written. And so they say that, they say in this, in this documentary about this ancient civilization, which I'm going to try to, because on Gaia TV, whenever you watch a program, you get an option to set, email the, the, that, that episode to three people. So I'm going to try to email it to you if, if you want it. Um, uh, um, it's starring, uh, um, yeah. And, and, it, and it's starring like really world-class researchers. They're like um, people that are like have doctors in etymology, the roots of language and all kinds of other stuff. So they're like really high-class interviews. Anyways, what is Chris Enki and Enlil in Samaria? Um, what They're aliens. Really what was I saying? Enki's an alien. They're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, but let me, let me get, get build you up for it, though, because we don't want to. Okay. So then, I Googled. Uh, Enki's an alien. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, so, but, um, so these Sumerian tablets were long before the Torah, the Old Testament, and they described the Garden of Eden. And what they said is that the Garden of Eden was actually uh, an enclosure. Eden, the word Eden actually meant in, in that language, an enclosure where you would keep animals like a zoo uh, in, in, in our English language. And Adam actually they found has no root words for Adam in, in, in the Hebrew Jewish language but it goes back to Sumerian and it means animal. And according to the Sumerian tablets, what they say is that, and remember this is hundreds of years before the Torah, at least they say 
that um, a long time ago, uh, before before the race of humanity, the the gods covered the earth and they they toiled all day with the earth and they worked it and they were uh, they were like doing a lot of labor and 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 these gods where they came from was from the Pleiades star system. It says in the Sumerian tablets and it says there was a war. And the people who lost the war, their planet was destroyed, and they were going through the solar, the universe, trying to find a new place to habitate. And they found Earth, and then they landed here, and they tried to reboot their colony, their population, because they were there was only a few remainders. And of those survivors, there was these two called Enki and, and Enlil, and they, they 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 were there was a lot of survivors, and they, and they came here, but. Um, they worked here for like hundreds of years, but, but they started having war over who would do the labor. Like it was like a really, it would, it would be like us, like a very advanced civilization. We're sitting here. Um, I, I'm getting residual income from selling stuff online. I, I do all of my work from my desk and all of a sudden we get into a war, our planet's destroyed. We go somewhere else. And then we have to start farming again using just like hooks and stuff. And, and, and then over a couple hundred years, we start arguing like, oh, Reverend Kelly should have to do it. And she's like, no, Jack Stronger, you should have to do it. And so we start fighting. Just kind of like that. The very advanced civilization that had to go back to, they had all their knowledge, like that's knowledge, material resources. So anyways, after a couple hundred years, one of the guys, Enki and Enlil, they, 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 they presented to the, this, their race, well, look at uh, around this planet. There's these creatures here, and they're, they're pointing out the Neanderthals. They said, "What if we mixed our DNA with them to make them smart enough to do our this work for us?" And the gods talked amongst themselves and like, "Oh, that's a pretty good idea. Let's go ahead and do that." So that that is actually where they say is the beginning of the creation of Adam and Eve. Is that they're the creation of a genetic a coupling be between another race that came from another star system and the Neanderthals. And what's really interesting about that is Greg Braden, who is a modern uh, bio biologist and, and, and uh, archaeologist. He has actually identified that human chromosome number two, and there's a scientific paper on this that's like really professional with empirical evidence. It shows that human chromosome number two is the result of a, of a, of a genetic mutation that happened over the course of one generation. And it was not the result of natural evolution. And human chromosome number two is basically the one that people have that make them have a self-awareness and they're, they're part of their brain that they can have compassion and logic and self-awareness. And that's, that's the only main chromosome that makes us really different from apes and stuff. And with, and, and when they looked at the fossil record, they found there was no, there was no um, natural selection. There was no process of Darwinian evolution in that chromosome where you could look at previous skeletons and see how it gradually converged over to what we are now. It was definitely abruptly transformed in one generation. And that were, that's what they were able to prove. But they weren't able to prove how this happened. It's like, did God do this? Did, 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 was this the result of technology? 
like that part of the scientific paper is left as a question mark, but they do know that that chromosome was not part of natural selection. It, it was somehow um, manipulated. Now, but the Sumerian tablets give us this story that actually lines up very nicely with when this took place. They, this was written around, this was reported around the same time frame as when this genetic mutation took, hap took happen. Okay, so then going forward, what we have is a situation where Anki and Enlil are brothers. They were the children of this a father, Anu, and Anu is what they would call an Anunnaki. They're from the race from the Pleiades. And one of the guys, I always get it confused, which is the so-called good guy and bad guy. But um, I think it's Enlil is the good guy, Enki is the bad guy. Um, but Enki was the brother that was more of like a military power. And, and um, like a military uh, warlord guy. And he is, and Enlil is more of the peacekeeper. And what happened is, is that um, Enki, Enki was like, once the once the humans were created, we we did work for the gods for the extraterrestrials. But in the Torah, it says it says that the people worked for the gods, and for hundreds of years we worked for them and we made sacrifices like animals and plants and the gods would come and eat them. They would eat the burnt sacrifices. So it's, and, and it's, and, and there were cities that we built and stuff. So supposedly it, it's basically like we were their slaves and um, just like nowadays how we're creating artificial intelligence and computers to do all that work for us at like automatic factories, like in the prehistoric times, it's like this civilization tried to do that, make machines out of animals, like make us like just slaves for them. Anyways, at one, at, at eventually Enlil was like, wait a minute, this is wrong, Enki. These people are self-aware. They're capable of understanding, pursuing God, their own enlightenment. We should not have them in our slaves anymore. And so they, those brothers began to argue, and there was a fight between them. And that argument is very interesting at, at how it gets reported in the Torah. And how it ends up getting reported is that Enki, who in Sumerian was known as Saddam. Doesn't that sound familiar? Saddam, Satan. Okay. Saddam is, means the master administrator. He was the one in charge. Saddam was is the guy that in the Torah gets translated as it becomes Yahweh okay and, and but but he's actually the one that the people all these people are working for and basically doing the work for this other race Enlil who is the serpent he he, he actually had um was had a serpent-like face. It was it was like a humanoid figure with like small eyes and kind of like scaly skin and a tail. And uh, again, this is a different species, but they were highly advanced. That he ends up becoming in the biblical story the, the the Satan as the serpent. But the thing is, is Enlil what he gave to Adam and Eve the knowledge of good and evil was like the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Actually, what Enlo was doing was telling Adam and Eve, you guys are slaves. 
you have been made into slaves and I want to set you free of your slavery. I'm trying to teach you knowledge. I'm trying to give you tools so that you are not under this enslavement. And so, and then what ends up happening is this serpent ends up being looked like the bad guy and Yahweh like the good guy. But when you, but, but in this, but when I did some research into the Old Testament about this, I found that there was a lot of things in the Old Testament where the, where the God that was supposed to be Yahweh was actually very evil. It was like, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kill you and your children and I'm going to poison all your crops. And he's like, if, if, if I want you to make me these, these burnt sacrifices or otherwise I'm going to like curse you. And there's, there's a lot of things where it's like, a loving God wouldn't say that. And so it's kind of like this contradiction. And, um, but then, but then, uh, and then what's really, what's, what's really interesting is um, um, later in the Bible, the serpent is actually associated with the good guy and then ultimately associated with Jesus. And this is really interesting how it happens because Enlil, who is like more, more so the peacekeeper and kind of like, I would say in modern terms, he'd be like an animal rights activist. He, he, he was trying to stick up for the humans and set them free. Well, he was known, he was known as the Prince of Peace, like, like the, the, and also the God of the water. And, and, and later in, and later on in the desert, um, God instructed Moses to make a staff that was a serpent and it was a staff of bronze and that when they're walking through the desert, when anybody got bit by this, by a real snake, if they would look into the eyes of the serpent, it would heal them. And, 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 and now in the modern day, the serpent is the symbol of the medical healing model. It's like there's two serpents wrapped around a staff. And so, so the serpent is symbolic with the symbol of healing. And, 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 then, and then in, the, in, in John 3.16 in the New Testament, there's a saying that says, God so loved the world, he gave his only son so the world could be, you know, free. But right before that saying, there's a, something very peculiar in that same in that same uh, paragraph. It says it says just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up. Um, and so in that paragraph, they're associating the serpent as a good thing, and also associating Jesus um, as like the new serpent, which is like. Then, which, which in the Old Testament, it was like a healing power because the, the serpent on Moses' staff was the, the symbol of healing. So they were using that to talk to the new Jews and say, Jesus is the new Moses, like he's the new healing power. And that's where in John 3.16, it's like, just like Moses did that in the desert, now Jesus is the new healer. And um, so, so then you have, huh? He gives the power of awareness or awakening. Yeah, awakening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so now there's a consistent message in the in the Old Testament. The the snake in the garden was trying to set people free from the slavery by giving them knowledge um, that would knowledge of it wasn't really the knowledge of good and evil, and it, it was more specifically the knowledge that we were being made into slaves. And then again later. The serpent is associated with on the healing staff, setting pe- healing people, 
And then later, Jesus is associated with that serpent. So basically, it what I believe now is that um, is is that in in the in the beginning, uh, in the in the dream of this world, in in this world of form, we were actually created as slaves for this art for this advanced alien race but then a, a spiritual being jesus came and 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 attempted to set us free from that slavery and then and then came again later and tried to set us free in the time of moses and then came again later in the as jesus christ and setting us free again so i think that there's an ongoing theme of being set set free from slavery then being set free from hatred then being set free from the illusion of of you know of this world and and it goes all the way through yeah that's interesting yeah. i've heard yeah. i've heard various aspects of that you uh, have yeah yeah but it, and it's and you've put it you know you brought it out very nicely um thank you yeah yeah, I like that. Uh, where did where have you heard about that before? I'm very interested to know. Various various communication, various things along the way. I mean, wow. I've got a little bit more lifetime I've spent than you in this yeah. experience, wow. and so I've just been exposed to a lot of a lot of different things, and so I couldn't tell you exactly where they all came from. Um, do you, Do you think that it's reasonable to believe that if we in our current lifetime right now are are actually because because what I learned a little bit online research today up with Elon Musk and artificial intelligence is that right now there there's something called the fourth industrial mm -hmm. revolution. There's like this catchphrase, and basically it's that factories factories that have artificial intelligence, and so basically the, the human beings aren't aren't necessary for anything for building anything. Um, when these, as these factories are getting more and more advanced, it's, so it's like they can make any tool, any product. Um, we can grow food. So what my question is is that if we're seeing that our intelligence is capable of creating machines that can create anything that we want now, is it so far-fetched to believe that that thousands of years, thousands of years ago, an advanced civilization from a different star system? tried to do the same thing, create machines out of organic lives, like out of animals, and that we were one of those experiments. You know. I think there's a high probability of that. I really? really? Do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I, 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 really, I really do. I, you know, the only thing I can, I can truly relate to is, is where I'm at now. I can look back and say, you know, the probability of that from everything I've been told or read about or seen or whatever, there's a high probability that all of that could have very easily occurred, have occurred, you know. And, you know, whether or not, you know, anybody can put all the pieces together enough to present the world with, with the truth, I haven't got a clue, you know, but that's not where I want to go. I think it's interesting that you're doing it, you know, because it, it's something that interests you, and, and I'm, I'm sure that there's something very positive that can come from it, okay, to, to Thanks, help those that do have a greater interest in that. 
uh, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm all for you, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really, yeah. Appreciate uh, that. Yeah, it's, I it's, really do. Yeah. It's just a, a path that I'm going to leave to you. <laughs> hey, everybody has their own special function. Yeah. Part of their planet. Yeah, but I, I, I really think there's some high probability of, of all of that. And, wow. And That's good makes, to hear. And there's, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's just like uh, the okay. Palladians. Uh, there's, there's this whole idea of the Palladians having a, a, a tremendous impact on, you know, how this world has developed and, and what has taken place and, and their visitations here. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just like the Atlanteans. Yeah. Okay, the Atlanteans were, hey, were, were aliens also. Um, yeah. But they, they kind of destroyed themselves. Much, much like what we've, you know, we've been progressively leading up to, and, and whether right. whether or not we survive it or not is is going to be another question. But right, uh, Reverend Kelly, do you want to weigh in on that? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's an honest answer. <laughs> I asked, I didn't hear all of it, so that's partially why. Oh, okay. Because um, I'm. I have to, we're doing Miracles Monthly today, so I got to start working on that because I got so much I have to do before Tony and Reverend Duceltia get here. Um, I've got to get to. Yeah, the look at my guard was for me, is, you know, maybe there was aliens, maybe they did something, who knows? None of it really exists anyway, and it doesn't affect me today. Yeah, that's true. So, it's an yeah, interesting cool. perusal, but it's not something I contemplate much I think, I, th I think it's interesting that, that Benjamin you know wants to travel that path and and and, uh, and see what he can discover from it and you know and, and and truly you're right I mean it's it's all part of the illusion anyway but uh, the, the the fact that we're we got this state of confusion going on mm -hmm. little things okay yeah that, I think that, that I, can be big things can help you know, a number of people to come out of their confusion in different yeah. Well, and I think it's amazing. And it's one of the things I really love about our group. Our group, I think we gel so well together as a group. And yet, if you look at our past and also with the new one coming in, Mary, we've all got really distinct journeys and different belief systems and all. Even though, like, we all agree on a lot. We're like, you know, Lydia's got a very strong Buddhist background. I have a very strong Christian with some Buddhist and other stuff background. The new one coming in is a basically self-taught shaman background. Um, oh, you know, I don't know what that means. Um, it tends to be more your indigenous cultures, and they'll deal with um, like going into trances and dealing with the spirit world um, at a different level. Uh, you've got you've got usually spirit animals that are supposedly walking your journey. Um, your spirit could actually. Uh, and like I said, she's not formally taught, so I don't know how much of this she goes with, but she says along that line. Um, shamanism does a lot of what they call soul retrieval. So they'll say, like, part of your spirit, like, if you had a traumatic experience with somebody, it's almost like part of your spirit gets left with that person. And so they'll do, like, a meditation to bring that part of you back to yourself so you can be a whole being. Um, but it has a lot to do with nature, and it's, it's a lot of your, more of your tribal-type nations started shamanic type path style but you have a lot of trance work um done with drumming that kind of thing 
Okay. So, um, yeah. She does like earth healing. She said like they, they go and like bless the spirit that's of the cool. earth mm-hmm. and do stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's good. You know, Susan's got a lot going on personally, <laughs> but you know, a little newer to the course, but very much, you know, very into it. Nathan tends to be um, a little more woo woo and intellectual with it. Um, you know, and then it's, you know, it, it's Brian, it's got that big coaching heart. And it's just, it's interesting because we've got so many different backgrounds and I love how I think we've merged together really well as a group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of things that, that are just basically phenomenons uh, to us that, uh, you know, none of us can put our finger on all of them, but all of us together can put our finger on a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them. Yeah. I'm not sure I would go with them about a lot, but a few of them at least. Yeah. Uh, so, um, that's good. That's good all of say. which, all of all of which, are just ways of uh, understanding, ways of sharing uh, the belief systems that we've built to help us all, you know, kind of move towards a a a, a position, position of, of acceptance, yeah. of not being fearful, of not judging, yeah. and just be accepting. And uh, one day we'll 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 wait, awaken, and we'll all know. But until then, you know, we've got something to share. We've got something to, to talk about, to, to contemplate, and, and to, to work through uh, until we are willing to give up this fear and judgment altogether. I don't know if this is on topic or off topic, um, but I had, at least in my own brain, a clarification of soul later on when we were reading. And I don't know if I said this or not. Um, but I kind of end up coming with, with the soul is, I think that this, the super conscious, but the soul is like the individualized expression of the super conscious. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. I, 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 just, I have, I have not understood the soul to be something that is, I think. What I should head out. I should head out. Perfect. My heart. Okay. I should head out. Okay, guys. I love you guys. Peace be with you. I see. Okay. (laughs) But I did not see the soul as being something, you know, like like it's saying in here that it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's not the impression I'm getting if it can be influenced by the mind. And, And it seems like it's saying in there that it can be influenced by the mind. I forgot. I read it. That, yeah, it was worded weird, and it had that impression. But when you read it, I don't think that's what it was saying. Okay. I well, think I it thought, was like it does interact with the mind. Yeah. And I forgot how it was worded, but when I read, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, there was one yeah. It didn't say it exactly. Yeah, initially I went, what? And then when I reread it, I was like, no, it's not that it's changing because of the mind, but it's interacting it, and it might it might respond differently based on what it's dealing with at the mind level, but it's not actually changing. So it would be like, you know, if you've got a baby that's screaming and he's got a poopy diaper and you have a baby that's screaming because they're hungry, your response is different, but it doesn't change that you're the loving mother. So it's, it's kind of like my soul is, is my true spirit interacting with the world. Yes. Interacting 
with the mind, perhaps. Yes. I would say, yeah, it's almost like it's God expressing itself through some sort of individual form that we perceive as us. Okay. Because I, I, I don't, I mean, it's like you look at the body, the body contains this brain. Okay. Yeah, you're like, and the body. Brain, yeah, and the brain is, is, is really, it's just a storage unit. Yeah. Um, that contains, you know, organizes and contains all of these memories and all of these thoughts. Oh, well, not thoughts, but all the memories and all the, I, I guess, somehow just data. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting because there's actually, and I haven't read a lot of it, I want to read more of it, but the Heart Institute or the Heart Math Institute, yeah. uh, they've actually said there's actually more interaction and information going to and from the heart and from the the mind going to the heart than the heart going to the mind. Well, and and, you know, we have to, we have to get away from, I think we have to, to understand it better. We have to get away from this using the heart because it's just a, it's just a picture. It's an image that we, that we create. The heart heart is just a pump. (laughs) Okay. I got to get to work with, this is due south, Reverend due south. Yeah. Hello. Hello. She's, How are you doing? I think she's the treasurer now. Yeah. Yeah, she's a treasurer on our board of directors. Really? Um, well, flash some money there. Let me know what's going <laughs> <you are. laughs> And then she's, she's also Reverend Tony's lady friend. So if I ever mention Reverend Tony's lady friend, that's her. She's so beautiful yeah. and amazing. We love her. Hello, Tony. Hi, Tony. Hey, Tony. How are you doing? How are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? Our after party. We also oh. our after party for a while. Well, it's it's over an hour. Over the after party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Did you do the classroom here? Yeah. We're all the, we're, we're just all that's left of the after party. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're the remainders of the after party. After Benjamin gave yeah. us this whole thing about the Sumerian tablets and the aliens that had birthed us, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can get going. I, I haven't done the work I'm supposed to be doing, so. All right. Nice to see you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, Bye. Have a great day, okay? <laughs> Bye. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.